Assad Ace, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you for having me here, man. That was <laughs> that cracked me up that intro, man. Thanks for the kind words, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, we've been friends for a long, long, long time. It has been a fucking minute, man. It genuinely has been a fucking minute. I was thinking about all the things that I wanted to say in the intro, and I was like, there's very few like one-liners that I can that I can say that will actually wrap up uh, a bunch of uh, a bunch of the thoughts that I have having you on the show because we've been through we've been through a bunch of shit together. We've we've seen the ups and the downs my friend <laughs> right it's been a minute man it's been like i can't remember i think it was 2014 2013 when we first met we worked on not geo national <laughs> geographic yep that was a good and time for those that are wondering before before someone makes that joke because i know Riz zero is already in here jogger is in here Oscar's in, before you guys make the joke i wasn't the gorilla in the national geographic documentary <laughs> just because I know you guys are gonna go there, um, <laughs> but uh, but Asad, aka Bullfunk Zoo, it's a tradition around here to to say, you know, I gave you a bit of an intro before the intro, uh, but there's um, there's a lot of new people here getting to know you for the first time. So in your Hello. own words, uh, could you introduce yourself to the unmuted tribe? Hi, my name is Bullfunk Zoo, or as they call me, Bullfunk Zoo and uh, i make music i decorate sounds and notes and organize and put them together and you know yeah that's it that's it <laughs> it's as simple as that i i am a musician <clears throat> uh, he was chat what don't listen what what are you guys talking about you guys i thought you were uh, the one filming all the animals doing it <laughs> listen listen to Ricky Biggie. uh we'll talk about we'll talk a little bit about um about Nat Geo, uh, <laughs> and the, we the can forget that about that subject. <laughs> Water under the bridge, sir. Yeah, um, but um, you have been in the game for a very long time. You've uh, you've been a musician and a producer, and you've uh, you know been on stage, off stage, building the stage, like all aspects of the music industry. Uh, especially when it comes to alternative rock and metal um, in, in the Middle Eastern scene for a very, very fucking long time. Um, why? <laughs> why not? <laughs> why? Because, uh, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the people from uh, the tribe are not necessarily from the Middle East, but a lot of them are interested in, in the Middle Eastern metal scene. Right. And, right. and the rock and metal scene that, that uh, I, I very heavily promote here. Um, and a lot of people have asked, why? Asked. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't asked. They've asked. Oh, like I asked. <laughs> why? Why do you give a shit? Like, why? Why have you put up with uh, with a bunch of rejections and fucking punches and and arrests in some cases? And like, we've we've talked to people that have had their heads shaved, and you know, you've you've gone uphill trying to promote something. And build something uh, constantly against friction. Um, so I just want to start with that. What? Why? Well, you why? said it. You said it. Ass and friction, baby. And we <laughs> love doing that shit, man. <laughs> the Jagro Jagro said it best right now. Uh, the question you're looking for, uh, Adnan, is you suffer, but why? <laughs> because so, we like pain. <laughs> let's uh, let's start let's start uh, can we get a tour 
of the rack behind him. Go follow him on Instagram, uh, Malice. I mean, I can move a little bit out the way. The, uh, the, this on. is a I studio can't... and a half, you guys. Oh, uh, yeah, it's a big rack. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I call her. Well, I can't move my chair back because then I'll be out of camera and my chair is stuck between the tripod and the boom stand. You're what? good. There's, there, there's a lot of audio. There's a lot of cool stuff in here. There's my I leg. thought you were about to flash us for a second. And this is the big part of the studio right there. <laughs> That's what keeps time right there, man. <laughs> well, hang on. But we we will get to the studio. We will get to um to Bofunk Studio and and everything that you're doing with the cool, the insane stuff that you're doing there. But let's let's go back in time. Let's go back in time. All right, you go for it. Tell me what you want to know. Bofunk Zoo, Asad Laiz. Right. Uh, early on. First time you picked up a guitar, first time you started falling in love with, with music. What did that look like? Uh, what did that look like? Ass and friction, bro. <laughs> <laughs> now, I started I started when I was, I, I knew I needed to do it when I was a kid. So I remember, uh, I mean, I, I'm not just going uh, anyway, to, when I was four years old, I remember Kiss came on TV, a concert of Kiss. And, you know, they had all this makeup and all that crap going on. And I was so intrigued by it. I'm like, what the fuck is this, man? Like, this is this is it. This is it. I saw that and I was like, that's what I want to do. And then uh, growing up around the household, there was always a lot of Motown, James Brown, funk and all that stuff, which I grew up on, which was really good. And then um, by the time I hit my early teens, that's when I got into the metal. And some of my favorite bands at that time was Slayer and Megadeth. Uh, big fan of Megadeth. Till this day, actually. Anthrax, I remember Anthrax, that was a big thing for me. And after that, the Rage Against the Machine came in, the alternative, and I don't know, and then I started expanding. And uh, guitar, I, I started to kind of taking piano lessons when I was a kid. Of course, the parents make you take piano lessons. So I remember- Of course, the parents uh, is, is something that we talk about a lot on the on the podcast as well. But um, that's, that's something that now as a parent, I'm starting to uh, to see the value of my parents didn't do that. They didn't give me shit. <laughs> well, my parents didn't give a shit either, but they wanted to get me out of trouble because I was a I was a really naughty boy. You know, I was always causing trouble and blah blah blah. And they knew I kind of liked music. I was a big skateboarder, so I was skateboarding all the time. I failed a year in school, and you know, and music was the outlet. So it's like, yeah, I wanted to play guitar, and it's like, no, you need to take piano. So I remember I had this piano teacher, this crazy Polish guy, and I'd ask him to teach me Metallica songs on um, on piano. You know, and then obviously had to teach me a bit of classical, but I never got into it. And then I got a guitar. Uh, my parents didn't want me to have a guitar, but eventually I did get one and had no idea how to string it and tune it and all, do all that stuff. But I figured it out somehow. Um, so I don't know. Should I keep going on or I'm just like briefing everything really quick of how I started? And, and no, every no, time, you, you're good. You're good. Do you, do, you, do you remember Headbangers Ball back in the day? Uh, I know of it. I right. never had it because I, I grew up in a, in Sydney, Australia, and then I moved right. to fucking Doha, Qatar. Right. So we we had Channel V. <laughs> oh really? I think that yeah. Shit, I just I just told you my age. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm only 24 years old, single, and ready to mingle. If you want to come on down. <laughs> well, head, Headbangers Ball. Uh, I, should I tell the audience what that show was? It was. I'm, I'm, I don't know if they're they're aware of it. And I think it was back in the 80s, early 90s or something like that. Wait, let's make a poll while while you tell the story. I'm, I'm going to make a poll on Twitch. Headbangers ball. Headbangers ball. Know it. And then 
No idea. All right, keep going. So Headbangers Ball was a show that used to come on. I can't remember if it was once a week or once a month. And it was all like the latest rock and metal bands that who put out music videos and stuff like that. And uh, they'd show them on TV. And I used to tape them on VHS all the time. Um, besides, obviously, we had cassettes that time and CDs came later on. I used to be a big collector of music and just listen to every kind of music, and especially when I got into the rock and metal when my younger teens. And during that period, I remember when I was a kid, I would always like listen to these songs. I'd memorize the shit out of them and I would change them in my head, not knowing that this is going to affect me later on down the future. I just always thought like, oh, maybe they could have put this there that could put that there. So when I started playing guitar and I discovered how to record on um, my parents had a cassette uh, recorder player and obviously you press record and it was like the inbuilt microphone on the stereo and you'd record something right and then actually they had two of them one was a really shitty toy one and one was like the, the house stereo so i'd record something on the on on, on one of the cassette machines and uh, you know played back i'm like oh this is pretty cool you know and then i discovered that you can play something on the other cassette machine which is a recorder and then record it on top of the other tape machine does that make sense dude i 100 my first EP <laughs> was recorded. Oh, was it like that? Yeah. It was a boombox. Uh, it was it was a, a two deck uh, stereo boombox, and I remember it was the first one that had somewhat of a visualizer. It kind of had like a a view like meter. A, uh, yeah, exactly. Right. And um, and we would I, my friend would stand there with a microphone, yeah. a Radio Shack, rest in peace, Radio Shack, yeah. a Radio Shack microphone in front of the drum set while I played my drum. No click, no reference, nothing. Right. And then we would do the same for his mic. We would s switch out the tapes yeah. uh, and then do do the same uh, thing for his. Uh, we would mic his uh, amp right. and then mic the second guitar. We right. never mind tuning the guitars to each other. Right, right. The, none of that was uh, was a part of the, the production. Right. But uh, by the end of it, we had a tape with four or five songs that were dis actually disgusting. Like it was. No, but if that's anyone. great. That's part but, of the journey, yeah. man. That's Th totally that part of the taught journey. me that that gave me the like that that little tinkle in my winkle. You know what I mean? Right. The, 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 like the little fire. I was like, we made something out of fucking thin air. And you know what? That's that's a great thing because when I was young and I was doing that, I you know it wasn't my intent. I just wanted to put some ideas down and stuff like that because for me, music. The guitar is my tool. I mean, I play bass and drums and a bit of keys and stuff like that. But it was always about creating music and guitar happened to be the tool. But the thing is, when we did that when we were young, we didn't realize what we're onto, what we were up to, you know? Mm -hmm. Later on down the line, like, oh, shit. Yeah, I was trying to create something. And I was like, I looked at it as a piece of canvas. My dad was yeah. a painter, or he is still a painter. And it was like a white blank canvas, like that, that empty tape. And what can we color on it? And I would think music, how to color on that canvas. I don't know if that makes sense to anybody. Um, but yeah. And uh, well, here I am. I got a fucking studio and I've been in the studio business for quite some time since then. And um, yeah, I can't remember where I left off. Or well, what do you want me to say? 
know. <laughs> you're you're thinking too Ass much. fiction, baby. Yeah, yeah. Listen, you guys, we need we need to teach Asad how to unmute. <laughs> this is he's thinking too much. Um, zero expectations music. Hey. What's going on? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank this you for is, being here. Thank you for the follow. I've been recording a lot of his material. He's been putting it out lately. It's pretty cool. Go check it out, guys. Your expectations, like it's pretty dope. Actually, oh I'm, hell yeah! Yeah, he's coming down this weekend for another track. Looking forward to it, Mr. Malen. Not so safe in the house. I'm very fascinated with recording on tape. Not so safe, everybody from uh, Metarust, a UAE-based uh, rock and metal band that have been making some fucking noise. I appreciate you for being here, my dude. And uh, yeah, you could, I, I gotta hit, I gotta link you guys up. Crowdscore Pro Productions, what's going on? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Transcrusher in the house. Transcrusher, OG. I, I started making podcasts because of fucking Trent Crusher. So, um, well, this, hello. Is, uh, this is gangster shit. <laughs> I love you guys for uh, for being here. Everybody, 100% of people uh, know Headbangers Ball. The oh, poll sweet. is over, and everybody knows it. And uh, to top that, I'll score to saying, we got it. We're all old here. <laughs> well, speak for yourself. I'm, uh, you know, ass 20, and friction, baby. 24 with ass and friction. Um, <laughs> I always I, I love asking this question because it's it's very different for every single person I've asked. We've had over two hundred guests Here's on the good. podcast. We've 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 done a lot of uh, a lot of different uh, interviews with people from all over the spectrum. But when you know you picked up the guitar, you like this kind of music. When did it switch from like can I play a cover to I want to make my own shit? You, you know, you, you spoke about like you would play like a Megadeth song in your head and try to change it. When was it like, let me fucking change it now in, in your in your world? You know, subconsciously, as soon as I picked up an, any instrument, it was, of course, I had to learn cover. But at the same time, I was still I was creating, not knowing that's what I wanted to do. So I think it started really early on, just subconsciously not knowing that I want to do that, you know. But then when I, when I, you mean the transition when I took it seriously more, like more, more on a professional basis, is that, is that your question? Yeah. Like when, when, when did it click? Like, you know what? I'm actually gonna, gonna try and write my own stuff. Yeah. Again, I think it's, it was from the beginning really since I was a kid and yeah. Yeah, Kratzko, Kratzko Productions in the chat saying, honestly, wanting to play my own music was the reason I started. 100%. Which is crazy to think. Like, I, you, if you started, not because, you know, oh, I, I want to play Enter Sandman. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I started because I actually saw that and I was like, I'm going to, I want to make my version of that. Was that kind of more your thing? Yeah, I, I suppose. I suppose. Now, I mean, look, to be, to be fair, at that time when I was learning the instrument, I had to learn a lot of uh, songs. And that was a great practice thing. So I knew I had to shed doing all of this stuff. Um, and, and and every time I shed, which means practice, uh, I would come up with ideas and I like jot them down. I mean, there's hundreds of ideas and I'd forget them, jot them down, I'll record them on tape and, and whatnot. Like later on down the future, I'll make a song out of this or blah, 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 blah. And then again, as you mentioned, like I would take uh, a song I would learn. I can't remember, like maybe a Slayer tune or something. and break it down in the middle, do something else with it and bring it back. Just kind of use the imagination. I just wanted to always like keep the creativity flowing or my imagination flowing. 
because growing up in Dubai at that time, I didn't have much, man. I had the sea. I grew up in the sea all the time. So I'm a sea baby, let's call it that way. And desert. And then luckily there was a big expat community. So to always get the music from these guys and we'd have these cassette uh, shops that I'd just go buy albums because of their cover and like listen to them. Some were shit, some were good. And, you know, some were shit in the beginning, but then some of these albums later on, I kept listening to them and I fell in love with them even more. So hint, hint, always give music a chance, listen to it properly. You never know that you might fall in love with it. And those are the, the, the tapes that actually influenced me more than the music I started listening to, or I got tapes and I liked them right away, which I got bored of them right away after. Right, so, I just went off on a tangent right now. Just for, for the people that might not, not, might not understand the terminology of being like a sea baby or a desert baby, and right. the fact that expats, you know, oh, having right. expats might uh, influence the musical uh, intake right. of, uh, of a teenager. Um, can you can you paint us a picture? Uh, you know, teenage Assad, preteen Assad, uh, just off piano, picked up a guitar. What was what was the UAE like? So the UAE back in the day, I my 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 parents worked in the hotel business. So uh, there was a hotel called Chicago Beach Hotel, which is Jumeirah Beach Hotel. If anybody in the UAE or maybe outside might know it, um, and I grew up in the hotel. So this hotel always had. Um, you know, tourists coming in, particularly German tourists, a lot of Germans, because it's focused on that German thing. And during Do this time, yep. Yeah, um, and obviously I was on the beach and desert behind me. Nothing was built, so there's nothing to feed off. It was beautiful, actually, because there's a lot of nature and it was chill, it was community driven, which is nice compared to how Dubai is now, which is, you know, it's done really well for itself. It's huge and big and up and running. But yeah, at that time, you know, picking up skateboarding, obviously simultaneously listening to also Black Sabbath and Ozzy Osbourne and doing all of this stuff. And um, and man, you know what? I'm trying to drop my memory here, like because I got a memory of of ass and friction. But, you know, um, so, yeah, it was like that. It was like that. And then in schools, obviously, everybody gets influenced. Oh, yeah. So coming back to the expat community, growing up in Dubai, there was people from all around the world who lived here, right? You had a lot of Europeans, Asians, uh, you know, everybody, Africans, all of this stuff. So I grew up with these these neighbors from all over the world, and I thought the whole world grew up that way. Does that make sense? So I learned a lot from their cultures yeah. as well, and their cultures brought music, and I listened to that music. Yeah. And uh, some of it I didn't appreciate that time. Now I appreciate it very much, or vice versa. So, uh, yeah, that was, let's, let's call it that growing up was my social media as they call it today. Cause you know, on social media, you can find anything you want. So the expat community and all that, uh, multiculturalism was my, I guess, social media, I suppose, or yeah, my information to the outside. Your world. social network, my social network. There you go. That's the right word. I Ask have fiction, baby. I have all the words. <laughs> I have the best words, you guys. <laughs> I have the best words, um, but yeah, I, I, the reason I bring this up is because a lot of people, you know, we have people from all over the world, uh, part of the tribe, a lot of people that listen to this on, on Spotify and stuff are from, from all over the world. We got a lot of messages. It's like when we talk about like growing up in the Middle East as, as a aspiring musician, right. um, there are more hurdles 
than uh, than your average like oh you know my family doesn't approve of me being a guitarist like there, there <clears throat> there's a lot more um kind of unspoken or 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 shadow lingering there, there there's just so much like first of all gu guitarists in the middle east if you're not playing that like um arabic music kind of very palm muted ba barely in the foreground rock guitar uh th there's no space for you you're fu you're fucking soloing what are you doing Wh where is that supposed to go right. uh and, and there's a lot of people that don't know the the hurdles outside of like the actual hurdles that everyone else has right. um and uh and you you've been one of those people that um have have legit like just kind of uh paved a path uh kind of broken down have have been and still continues to break down these these walls that uh that a lot of you know the societal kind of or industry industry um set uh, have uh, have built and what when was it where you went you know what Fuck that <laughs> i'm still gonna do this was there ever was there ever a time where you're like maybe it's not you know what maybe i should just be an accountant like was there ever no, a time no <laughs> no that i mean obviously your parents always look out for you so actually my journey my pro let's say journey to music started when i moved to the us and i was 16. and that was a time when i graduated high school at an early age i suppose and traveled uh to boston my first year over there uh, but I knew that I just wanted to be in the music world, be a part of the music world and do music and create that shit and whatever hurdles around it, you know, I have to do. So I moved to the US when I was 16 and I needed a job because my parents just gave me uh, $4,000 and that was for a semester tuition and like, yeah, go do the rest yourself, figure it out. And you know what? That was the best lesson ever because that taught me about hard work and um, grafting away. So I was pumping gas for like a couple of years there and learned to do some mechanics on cars, uh, going to college and at night um, practicing or trying to get gigs or, or actually the first band I, I, I formed or formed with in Boston was a punk band and we were called the Pregnant Nuns. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> so I had my guitar and I remember Pat Burke, he was the bass player and Jimmy Joe DiMaggio on drums. And uh, we had this, I don't know, crazy singer. It was, he's was, he was a bit nuts. His name was Elvis for some reason. And he had, his face was completely tattooed. And that was something new to me coming from Dubai. Obviously there was a bit of a different culture there, but I wanted to uh, embrace it all because I loved, I loved it all. It was crazy and I had a crazy time there. So. I knew at that time I was going to college, you know, your parents said, yeah, go study business and blah, blah, blah. Like, what do you want with music? What do you want with that? I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. Just to shut them up. I was like, okay, I'll go do it. So I started studying, I think it was business and um, whatnot. But, you know, music was there in parallel the whole time. And working these jobs, I mean, you name it, bro. I've worked in factories, banks, uh, all these temp jobs everywhere just to make ends meet to pay off college and uh, buy a guitar and buy gear and, and go learn and take lessons and all of this stuff. So all of that happened. But the first band were called the Pregnant Nuns. That didn't work out too well because <laughs> we're, we're, we were doing a lot of gnarly things at that time. And I realized I got to take it more seriously. 
uh, after that, I bought my first official guitar opposite Berkeley School of Music. There was a shop called Daddy's Junkie Music. And it was $100. It was an Ibanez. It had a floating um, bridge on it. I was like, I want that. I had no idea how to change strings. So I remember I asked the guy, I told him, listen, man, here's $10. Can you change the strings for me? He looked at me, he's like, whatever. I'm like, I've never changed strings on a Floyd Rose. I had no idea. And I wish I didn't get that one. <laughs> it was always getting out of tune. So yeah, that was the first one. Um, and then I moved to Minneapolis. And Minneapolis is what changed my whole perspective on a lot of music because I was I was taken under wing uh, by some great musos from there on in. And, um, and that journey continued. So I would go to college, work full time, and at night I would do gigs, you know, practice anything got to do with the music. Uh, there and um should i keep going on or am i ranting on too much i'll stop you if you're if, if, if we need to stop good, Don't, good, keep good. Going. just just be uh, transparent so when i moved to minneapolis it's literally called unmuted we're unmuting you right, you're supposed right, to talk right, 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 right right uh but you gotta push me to talk but i'll talk i'll talk <laughs> i'll talk ass and friction <laughs> ass and friction. That's 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 the mojo for tonight. Ass and yeah, yeah. fucking ass friction. and friction. That's what we're. That's what the raid phrase is, tribe. If <laughs> if I forget, whenever we raid after we're done, ass and friction is is the raid phrase. Right. So, oh yeah, I didn't tell you, but like before, so in Dubai before I went to the U.S., CDs started coming out, and here I couldn't afford CDs, so we'd go to a CD shop and tell them, listen, can you print this to cassette, or let me say, record it to cassette. And they record all these things. And I remember at that time, you know, Soundgarden, Rage Against the Machine, Metallica, Black Album, you know, had Megadeth, Countdown to Extinction, Extinction, you know, and all the Slayer records. Uh, Ministry came out, Biohazard, all of these guys. I got them all here. And I went to the US and I became a big fan of Rage Against the Machine for some reason. Um, and the others, obviously. Um, so when I got to Boston, I couldn't afford CDs, but they had this thing. I think it was Columbia or something. You buy or they send you 11 CDs of your choice, but you have to buy six official CDs for full price over the year. So I scanned oh, that dude. shit. Do you remember that? The, the, I don't know. The, Do you remember the, that? I, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly that thing, but I remember there was a kind of a tape swap um, unspoken agreement where we, we would send each other CDs yeah. of our... Of, of bands and like the network that we have and you have to pay for one of them right if yeah, we yeah, send you that, four that's the one, you have that's to pay one. for one yeah. you send the other three to other people if uh, they pay for one then you would pass it down and it was a way to kind of distribute cds like the ghettoest way possible right? it's like a pyramid kind of scheme but this was <laughs> this was a bit different i think it was 11 or 60 i can't remember and you have to buy one full one and then I realized there, like, you know, I can put a different name and address and stuff like that. So I started collecting, like, all these favorite bands I wanted to get and collect all these CDs. And then another thing I realized to make ends meet over there is a lot of CD shops buy used CDs, right? And so I'd start ordering the most commercial CDs, like, you know, Elton John, Madonna, and all of this stuff. And I'd take these CDs just to resell them in the shop and make some money. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And actually, that went on for a few years, but you know, it was like another side hustle. There's a, there's a statue of limitations. It's fine. You can. Yeah, you know, you know. My, I'm sure my name's somewhere. This guy owes us for a lot of CDs. 
PDs are dead now. It's but, fine. Know. It's fine. There's a, the, the, it's, it's been over seven years. It's been over seven years. I think that's... Seven years. It may be a little bit longer than that, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that was that was on. And, and there is where I discovered a shit ton of music and seeing live shows. I remember when I got to uh, uh, Boston as well, I was underage, so I got a fake ID when I was 16 and 17. And I'd hit the bars and, you know, there's the Middle Eastern Club. Funny enough, in Boston, there's a place called the Middle Eastern. They had some great shows over there, bands from all over. So it was like a Middle Eastern restaurant. But at night, it turned into a club. And there was a club called the Avalon. This is just the first year. And there, and you have to be overage, 21 and over, and get in there and watch it. So I remember, actually, funny enough, the first concert I watched over there was Joe Satriani. And it was at the Avalon Club. Oh, shit. Yeah, right? It was crazy. He had hair at that time. And I started getting into that because I wanted Listen, to get more Listen, you keep serious. giving away your age. Yeah, right. Joe Satriani has not had hair for a very long time. Yeah, that was the last <laughs> concert he had hair, right? And then the second concert, I saw a few of his concerts. But... <laughs> I'm all the motherfuckers. <laughs> I saw Pink Floyd as well at a Foxborough Stadium there. And, <sighs> and it was cool. I, was, I mean... It was this girl I was kind of dating at that time, and uh, she had tickets to see Pink Floyd. I wasn't into Pink Floyd at that time, but that was my first introduction, and that was the first time I took acid, by the way. Oh shit! I shouldn't have said that, should I? You can you can say acid here. You can okay, take acid. Cool. I don't even. And also, just for age, everybody, if you're if you're subbed, I think even if you're just following, you can you can uh, throw up the forty threes. Uh, so Asad, I don't know if you know this, but everybody in the tribe, yeah, whether you're nineteen or 75 we're all 43 in the realm of the unmuted right. twitch streams and discord we're all just of sound mind and age uh, but we're also just a little bit uh inappropriate and a little bit immature we're uh, always so immature for, for, for 43 is that threshold that we uh we throw up <laughs> all right 43 fine <laughs> so so Pink Floyd or Steve Vai or Joseph Trani with hair, whatever it is you saw, we're all 43. Well, we're all 43, yeah. <laughs> I, I even got to see the Grateful Dead in Boston as well. That was a free concert. So, yeah. And I didn't know the Grateful Dead at that time. That was another introduction. And I got lost in the forest doing nitrous oxide. But, yeah, that's another story. <laughs> so many drug stories already. He goes to Boston from Dubai, right. spends one year there, comes back with the Grateful Dead high. Just <laughs> no, it's funny that concert. I went. I, I had friends obviously in, in uni that time. It was the, the band from uh, Pregnant Nun. So I was like, yeah, let's go see the Grateful Dead. I remember I, I'd always see the, the the what is it, teddy bear stickers they had everywhere there. I'm like, who the hell is this band, right? And then I introduced. I'm like, okay, cool. And the, you know, Grateful Dead through free concerts. So it was in a big park, and it was a forest around it. And we got there and we were having drinks and I don't know what and doing balloons of shit. And I remember the next morning we woke up, we were all lost in the forest somewhere. Woke up the next day all muddy and disgusting, but it was fun. But yeah. <laughs> you know, seeing you talk about that stuff yeah. um, reminds me of the first couple of times I experienced live shows with you. And... I, the first couple of times I experienced live shows with you was me performing the live show. Uh, and there's this, I don't know if you guys agree, but tell me, tell me if you agree or not in the chat, but you have this like passion. J 
just the way you describe a live show. Like, I saw this fucking band. I was doing this. I was drinking that. This is how it went down. Like, there's there's um, a leaning towards live music. Uh, just just talking about it from from way back in the day. Right. Um, has that always been the case? Like, how how did you fall in love with live music? Because uh, for me, growing up in Doha, my instinct was how do I record music? How do I make it look and sound cool? Because I never got to see shows. I the, my first show was fucking Dubai Desert Rock. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, that was my that was my first experience. Right. Um, but you have you have this even the way you talk about previous shows so what was that experience like like how how did you fall in love with live music the energy man the energy there's something else and and you know you, you said mention something about recording and putting things together and that's when i was young i didn't think about that but i fell in love with live music and it was all about the live music and then the recording actually hit me later you get what i'm saying but the passion behind just to express yourself on the spot you know, you're completely naked, so you're completely true and honest with yourself and with your audience. And that is something magical because magic happens. Whether you fuck up or not, there's a certain magic that happens live. And and it only comes at that moment and that moment itself, and then it goes away unless you do it again and again mm -hmm. and again. You know, so there's, there's that moment that you live for, and uh, it just opens opens ideologies it opens minds it i can't explain it because you know now if you, you probably know i do a lot of improvised music and uh, i love that rather than something that's structured or something that's structured and you know improvise something that i completely am dumbfounded by by the way what improvised music improvised music is like my fucking kryptonite i have zero idea how the fuck you can do that uh I mean, this is like you're talking about the live shows and that's how I kind of think about it is, you know, to 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 let's say let's talk about creativity for a second. Of, uh, that's how I think about it, to be honest with you. Being creative is having the least amount of tools and getting to an end result. Why do I say that? When you have the least amount of tools and you have this kind of thing you want to see later on or hear. You get creative with like, okay, what can I do with the minimum amount of things? So you start, you start um, exercising your creative muscle in there, if that makes sense, right? Whether you're playing a riff um, with just, you know, no pedals, let's say going into a clean guitar and like, okay, how do I create that sound with my own fingers? How do I push that boundary without relying on something to give me that sound? Example, just by example, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right? And also writing music with whatever it is. Sometimes you don't, you know, you don't. Re the, the music starts in here, and then it's it, it just somehow this energy comes to you when you're writing music, like yourself. You know, it comes to you. You don't realize it. It comes to you. Then it it manifests in your brain, and then in your brain you want to let this music out, right? So even if you don't have all the tools, you still it's in your brain without anything physical or tangible because that's where it comes from. And then you grab the next step is to grab an instrument or your voice uh, or whatever it is and start putting these ideas down or start arranging, composing that kind of sound. Maybe it could be a sound, it could be a lick, it could be a, a melody, it could be a lyric, it could be whatever it is, right? Or rhythm. And you start putting it out there. And what I feel in today's world that 
you know people rely too much on um on things to give him that inspiration or to give him that creative output but in essence really the creativity is from you and it's it's interesting okay now i'm tying things up for you to tell, tell you what it's all about so hit it in dubai you know when i went to the u.s it's i was so exposed to a lot of things which i haven't seen in dubai and i was so inspired because I've never seen these things growing up, you know, in desert and beach and stuff like that, right? I only imagined them. And then when yeah. I got there, I actually got to visually see them. But there was one thing I, I I learned, not knowing that I learned, is how to create inspiration without nothing. Because when you're in a place and, you know, you want to be active in the music or, or create something with the music, you got to use your imagination. If you're always relying on some outside source to give you that inspiration, you know, you're going to be waiting for a long time. When I went to the US, I was overwhelmed with inspiration. It was yeah. like even to a point too much and I wanted to simmer down. But that was the practice I kind of practiced in my head, not knowing that I was practicing in my head. It was just out of necessity, you know? Um, and I got that. So when I was over there, I was overwhelmed and I was churning out crazy ideas all the time. Um, until this day, I still use that kind of muscle, let's say, that creative muscle in my mind. You know, you, if, if you're a resourceful person, you know how to get the point across or execute your ideas some way or the other. So with that, being resourceful is also being creative. You know, you have to work your creative juices to be able to be resourceful to get what you need. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. And I actually want to ask the tribe this. Everybody in here, I know there's a lot of musicians, there's a lot of creative uh, uh, people in, in the chat. What's what's the spark? Uh, you know, as I was saying, like it could be a riff idea, a lyric idea, um, just a thought, something that you want to portray, a message. Uh, is, is, is there a pattern for you or is it as uh, chaotic as um as as uh Bofeng Zhu or Asad is, is saying that like is it just something random and then you try to piece it together or does it start with something because for me I kind of have a bumper sticker idea uh I it, it always starts with a saying it's not even a lyric it's kind of like a saying like don't give up you know what I mean like just a a, a thing that I felt something that happened to me that I thought about and it you know you know that you know that like emotional message you repeat to yourself um <clears throat> dave uh dave cook is that his name the comedian god i have to i have to research it dane cook all right dane cook has a great piece uh or a bit that he talks about where on the drive home from a shitty day at work the way you repeat to yourself like i tr i tried my best i get what you're saying i fucking i tried my best i tried my best you do that thing to almost make yourself feel more right josh is in the house joshy what's going on thank you for being here dane cook yes absolutely which um, josh by the way saldana no josh saldana. way josh. Boy. oh dude <laughs> me and josh we did a fantastic concert once in abu dhabi Maybe we'll pull that video up later and you can see Josh at his best over there. Or he's yeah, always that, yeah, that motherfucker. Shout out to uh, to Joshy Buns. You guys know Josh. Um, 
but uh, D Dane Cook has this amazing uh, bit about the way like he was driving home and he wants to make himself feel you know I did my best I did my fucking best you keep repeating that line and that's kind of my trigger when I, when I feel that line yeah. when I feel that like I I gave it all I had I, I fucking gave it all I start to want to write about that feeling Okay. I start want to want to build an experience around that feeling and um, and the more I repeat it the more I write the more sounds come up the more visuals come up like a lot of you know you know me uh, I'm, I'm based in film before music even and I start to see it as a as a like a full spectrum and right. then I write to the movie that's in my head right and the, like even the last song that we released, Vulture's Explanation Music. Big song, by the way. We'll talk Thank about that much. in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> the the way I saw that happen was I was going through that feeling. Yeah. Um, of just like being depleted and and everyone taking it, and I was driving in uh, Richmond, Virginia, okay. uh, outside of Tata's parents' house last December, and literally for the first time in my life saw three full grown blown ass vultures eating a dead deer like a corpse of a deer Damn. and i was like that is exactly what i was feeling like stop feeding on my insecurities and anxieties and vultures and let's make this a song <laughs> that's See, how that's, it turned into it that's so interesting you said that i mean everybody you know you, you have triggers right and that's kind of like uh, part of your trigger and, but you just said something, your emotion and anxieties and all that. Uh, when you, Is it when you saw the vultures and all that, that was like um, the, the simile of what you're feeling at that moment rather than the yeah. actual visual, correct? Yes. And that just triggered you even more. Uh, you called it vultures because of that, isn't it? So yeah. really the idea was there, but you didn't know you're going to call it vultures until... I, I didn't know how to how to uh, put it into a, a metaphor, so to speak. Yeah, I metaphor, need a new man, XLR, by the way. Yeah. This guy has a studio. I need a new XLR. Come uh, on over, bro. <laughs> I'll send you one tomorrow. No worries. <laughs> but so, um, when I saw that, I was like... Because, you know, I, I was thinking in my head, like, oh, man, when I'm down, they kick me harder. Or, you know what I mean? Like, just yeah. random... Uh, or oh shit! Uh, I they're they're waiting for me to to lose, or they're waiting for me to quit, and that's how they get their their wings. Like that's how they resuscitate themselves. Is if you fuck up, they will feel validated. And then when I saw those vultures eating a dead corpse, it's like you're literally feeding on my dead dreams. Like when I fail you are alive and then that it just poof, it just like you know i was driving uh, and a vulture is fucking big by the way yeah, i've never huge. seen one in my life i saw three Damn. on on top of a, a deer and then tata's parents live in buttfuck nowhere virginia right and one of them flew like on top of the hood of the car while i was driving Did and i was like legs? yo Man. Yo, <laughs> this is this is the song. That's crazy, <laughs> man. But I mean, it, it, I mean, you just said the story of how all of this came about, right? So, 
I mean, that's that's brilliant. You know, there's so many ways that you get inspired and and get creative, and that's and by the way, this song Vultures. I was listening to it yesterday in the car, and today on the cans. I really love the direction you're going in on this. It's it's great. I was telling you earlier, uh, the parts with the arrangement where you guys even went into kind of like uh, I should say Skrillex kind of thing. So it gave that real dynamic, like it was kind of a fusion thing. And I love the chorus, what Bailuni sang on, and obviously all your parts and all of this stuff. Uh, really well done. It's a bit different than the, this Bengali stuff. I really appreciated that one, though. Thank you, man. Yeah. That, that I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll dive a little deeper into that um, in just a second, but... Um, yeah, it, it, it is very different. I know a lot of people, uh, especially from... God damn this fucking XLR. Especially the tribe uh, that uh, know me through Unmuted and have gotten to know Zvengali post stream and right. then have seen the Unmuted stuff. They kind of they kind of relate more to the Unmuted uh, songs. I know I know that they've seen that first, but or or ha have seen me do it because I I wrote those songs on stream. Right. Uh, a lot, a lot of the a lot, even a lot of the lyrics have been written by people in the stream. I'm gonna be like. Right. Fuck! What rhymes with cunt? And someone would say junk. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, right. And and uh, and well, the community um, is great. Then that way, yeah, you, know, you guys are helping 100%. each other, and that's the key right there. Community. You know? It was it was a community effort, and uh, I don't mean to fucking sell out for a second, you guys. But if you want to see three more songs, we do have a dono goal right here. Exclamation point studio. There's a lot of perks. It's a fucking big goal. Uh, it ends in February 2023. Uh, right. But we have two thousand uh, dollars to reach to make uh, to make three more songs, three more videos, three more mixing, mastering, um, uh, and and all the stuff. So if you're into that, uh, exclamation point studio or exclamation point dono in the chat, right. it'll it'll take you to uh, to a blurb about everything that we're doing. But um, you were one of the first, maybe three people. To ever hear Zvengali? Oh yeah, during during <laughs> during our night geo time. Those, those are good times because I just released a record at that time, and you were releasing a record as well. And I was I was badgering you for advice on uh, on uh, it was it was advice on how to market it. It was advice on how it should sound. It was advice on the kick and motherfucking snare. <laughs> I don't remember that, but but you you guys did a great job, man. That was a great record, and you 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 know you marketed the crap out of it. You did you did the right thing, man. I don't think it was me who gave you advice. I'm the idiot when you. it comes it was to, you. I was, to the I was marketing and all that stuff, man. We we were working together um, at at nine to five in the same yeah. office. We right. were stuck in the same room, and uh, I would I would spend my days showing you artwork, yeah, uh, mixes, right. uh, different different ideas. Even you were the very first person to ever wear a Svengali printed t-shirt. I still have it, by the way. <laughs> and I try not to wear it because I know it's an exclusive thing. And I have it in the closet there. You, the you, it's not even part of the batch. You have the demo print. Oh, is it? It's See, the demo better. print. No one else has that print. Well, um, bidding wars, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For Durham. <laughs> now I'm gonna keep that. That's that's a, a very memorable thing for me because we had a great time and I'm happy that you gave me that. Thank you. It's Josh Josh in the chat says, and I don't have his Bengali t-shirt and I'm in this fucking goddamn band. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, Josh. <laughs> 2,000. Bring it. 2,000 dirhams. Dollars, but, um, dude. <laughs> th- th- that was something that I learned from you while, uh, while we were working together. We were working together on film projects, but we were also... You, you had just released a record. Um, you were working on a lot of things when it came to live shows. Uh, you were building uh, your your foundation basically for uh, for for the studio that you're in right now um yeah there's a lot of things that i that i picked up from you when it came to uh talking about the community that it takes to build a rock and alternative and metal and xyz scene uh i uh I, you told me all the stories from boston you told me all the stories from the states and 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 even pre-dating that when you were first in in the uae and moving back and and just how hard it was to navigate uh these things what was it like trying to build like for me uh with unmuted with zvengali all the stuff i feel like i'm screaming into a megaphone that's pressed up against the wall and we're doing very well yeah. <laughs> we're still doing very well yeah. uh but but i i want to reach more how was that time uh or or how was how how was that experience uh, for you trying to trying to drive an idea and a scene and build all those uh, bridges right back in the day uh, back in the day in in dubai or in in the u.s in, in, I, I mean, we could uh, we could take it from the U.S. into Dubai. Yeah. After I, you've already been there. Yeah, I mean, after the U.S., I learned a lot of things there, man. From doing gigs and community and writing and all of this stuff. But I'll just jump into when I came back to Dubai. Uh, how it all started? I, I came back to Dubai um, at in 2000. What does that say? A huge shout out to. Zombie, zombie soup. soup zombie soup thank you for the raid thank you for being here everybody mediums in the house babe pistol in the house hello adjacent titties my handsome and humble friend hey baby we're talking about dicks and titties everybody spas wait what was the raid phrase ass and friction ass and friction <laughs> and zombie soup and all the all the zombie heads uh, type ass and friction in the chat. Um, <laughs> we're talking to Asad Laiz, exclamation point guest in the chat. If you want to know more yeah. about him and follow him on Instagram, we're talking about the idea of trying to build a fucking scene from absolutely nothing. So uh, when, when you move back to the Middle East and you're like, you know what? I'm going to try this. And then, you know, you first hurdle, second hurdle, third hurdle. You can't do this. You're not allowed to say that. You're not cool enough for this part. Like, what, what was that like? Bro, if you got something on your mind, you want to do it, you just do it. But the thing is, when I came to Dubai, there was a very small music scene at that time. And I wanted to be a part of a music scene. So I was like, okay, if there's not much of a music scene, let's create one. And that was the mission of how to do it. But yeah, the hurdles were, um, were quite a lot, man. Uh, I mean, because bringing back all that experience I had in the U.S., from doing a lot of shows, recording, and all of this stuff. And I saw how communities work over there. Um, I wanted to implement that here. And the first thing I did was I got to know a, a gentleman at that time. He had a band. I forgot his name, to be honest with you. But I remember his band's name was Sandwash. 
And I wanted to know who are the musicians locally here just to kind of see what the deal is. And I told him, listen, I wanted to start out a big rehearsal, a really cool rehearsal space in a warehouse. So this idea came from in the US, there was a band I was always performing with, one of the bands, and, and they had this um, a rented space in a warehouse, which was pretty dope. They had like 10 rooms in there and each room you can rent out per month. So you'd have a padlock, you put all your gear in there. But outside of this room, there was a cool little coffee shop communal area dingy and stuff like that i remember they had a big frank zappa poster and stuff like that oh josh says mike is it mike fillin fall on i can't maybe 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 sorry i can't remember mike and jay yeah yeah who's the i think he was the lead singer or or maybe the drummer i can't remember but it was that time so we went on about i was like man listen you know can you introduce me to all the musos out here in dubai and stuff like that and he did you know to be fair and i said let's 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 i want to i want to pick everybody's brain and see what they need here you know and i know part of it was that space now the reason for the space not just for rehearsals um the communal area that like kind of the coffee shop there because when we're done rehearsing and other bands would be done rehearsing everybody would like join in over there have a coffee and cigarette and whatnot and everybody would get to know each other and from that point you know, we'd always say like, yo, I got a gig tomorrow, example, uh, at First Avenue, or this guy's got a gig at the Caboose. This was in Minneapolis. And what we do is like, if I had a gig, or if I was playing with a band who had a gig, example, in the Caboose, and we knew this other band, I mean, I was a bit with a band called Arcology at that time. And, you know, we had friends who were like, we're going to do this show tonight. And if you guys want to come open up for us, we'll split the tickets and stuff like that. And they'd come and do that. You know, all these people would watch, so they'd watch both the bands. And then whenever they had a they had a, a gig or another band would have a gig, who are friends, they'd be the main line and they'd call us up, like, yo, you guys wanna open up for us? Like, yeah, sure, let's do it, you know? And that's how we grew the community. And then the fans kept following around. Obviously, it's a big city. So I saw that circulate. And the reason why it circulated is because of that big rehearsal space. Sorry, there was about 24 rooms coming to remember. And Damn. yeah, 24 rooms. And it's cool because you rent it per month and you put all your gear and stuff like that. And it's all soundproof and you use it 24 seven whenever you want. And you, you know, you meet up and you meet this community there and as musicians or artists and you twirl that around. So I was trying to bring that here and I wanted to see, was it feasible to start something like that? Um, it was going on for six months. You know, I grafted away with that, trying to find work as well, didn't have money. I'm trying to create that scene but i realized something at, at that moment you know look at this point i was very heavy into music very heavy into practicing learning different kinds of music uh the guitar composition like i, I was just totally serious about till, till this day to be honest with you and uh, i realized there was a lot of things that was going on what i from the muses not not in general i'm saying I felt like they just wanted to be rock stars without putting into the work and without understanding what community was. Yeah. And that was the mission, you know, because really what creates community are the people who create the community, not the city that creates the communities. The people you create the community and you form the city or you form the scene. And it was difficult, you know, um, it was kind of that, that spoiled Dubai brat kind of uh, mentality, which I don't blame them. They grew up here thinking that way in general i'm just saying what it was right i'm just being transparent that's the there, reality is so, there's there's a few that break the mold but yeah uh, but, massive know, shout out to not so safe and yeah. uh, and meta rust but not everybody obviously but uh, you know you, you need a lot of heads to create that strong point 
bond than just a couple of heads who are completely into it and they're always trying to get the community together and you know nobody wants to do it but but that's the way the style is over here so when i get a lot of people now yeah there's no music scene there's not this blah 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 i'm like and i i look at them like what the hell are you complaining about man there is a scene you just got to make it right or there's no support blah 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 well don't think the rest of the world is any different you know you just got to pave your own way and set an example and by setting an example by doing it you know without thinking about it and that was the issue at that time everybody had all these ideas but you know like if you got an idea go and execute it because a, a great idea is only a great idea it doesn't mean shit if it's not being done or tried being done and uh i noticed that a lot and and then uh, during that first year six months and i kind of gave up because uh, everybody wanted everything but they didn't want to work for it they wanted to be um, they wanted it hand sped or, 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 or spoon fed to them i'm like no man music is a lot of hard work bro you gotta practice you gotta put in the hours you gotta go and do all of this and this and this and that i know it's not easy but you gotta do it you know and that's when i like you know what i'm not gonna do this so then i started a band over here called uh moist luscious that was the first band then abstract collision <laughs> can we can we can we talk about your band names yeah sure which ones the ones in the us or here this is the uh, one here all of them all of them why why can't you just call it like listen i make music like Bro. why does it have to be a weird pregnant name. nuns that wasn't my that was my idea but i love moist luscious 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 yeah 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 there was uh, also god's pager that was a band before god's the, pager abstract collision yeah collision yeah bro i mean when i discovered do you, Frank Zappa, do you purposefully look for like things that are an oxymoron like do you yeah 100 100 for me it's all i love experimenting dude for me that's it's all about experimenting the avant-garde and uh you know being a little bit out there you know i i'm sure you know like bragner is asking you in the chat do you use a name generator <laughs> is, nah, that, nah. Is, is this a post malone kind of situation right nah, now <laughs> nah. <laughs> uh by the yeah. way bragner thank you so much for the 12 months uh tier one i appreciate you that's not even 12 that says 21. motherfucker it's been 21 months i appreciate you braggadocious thank you thank you for unmuted um so frank zappa man frank zappa is my biggest influence musical influence and uh if you ever listen to his music all the crazy compositions and uh, his lyrics that's where it all come it comes from so yeah moist luscious okay moist luscious well what do you think when i say moist luscious i don't want to say <laughs> There you go. There you go. That's that's the right answer. You don't want to say because you know what I'm talking about, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We, we we have a thing, by the way, on this channel. We're not allowed to say the word moist um, unless uh, unless our very good friend uh, Belfagor is here. He is not currently here, but we will still play this just because you said that word. Belfagor, oh. are you moist? <laughs> Thank you, uh, thank you, Bregner. Thank you, Bregner, for the for for the bellfucker command. There you go. Uh, that that that's the thing that happens here. That's the thing that happens awesome. here. That's the word moist is banned really? from uh, from the chat. Uh, so it's Creed and Nickelback, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that I don't blame you, Creed and Nickelback. Yeah, throw that shit out the window. But moist, man. <laughs> It's got to be a little bit moist if you know. <laughs> but do you see th this is this is the two sides of my brain that 
kind of combat each other. I grew up being a metalhead that wants to like, you know, throw the middle finger up to the system and do my own thing and uh, and make my own kind of music that is stanky and, and no one gives a shit about. All right. But then I grew up also in a world where I'm how do I make this sustainable and also and also invite more people to uh, to take part in this in this music that I love or or at least consume this music right. that I love how is How'd how you? is the balance between those two things like naming something pregnant nuns <laughs> but also wanting it to succeed where was that transition for you where was that like you know what i didn't give a shit to be honest with you i just you still don't i know you don't and that's why i'm asking it but what is the issue with the transition is what it kind of i kind of want you to talk about conformity I kind of want the Asad rant about conformity and yeah. uh, and uh, and the, the the social standards. Uh, what is wrong with not being able to follow a local band that's called Pregnant Nuns, Bullfunk Zoo, Shit Cut Piss? Like, what 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 is wrong with promoting? The weirdness. What's wrong? There's nothing wrong from what I mean. I don't see anything wrong with it. If <clears throat> if people see it that way, then you know that's their thing. They have a right to see it the way they want to do it. But I like weirdness, man. It stands out. It's unique, and that's that's maybe maybe that's the thing. Is like I always wanted to sound unique with my music or how I play or whatever it is. I stand behind that very drastically, and the weird. You know, too weird. Have you ever seen um, Hunter Thompson's movie Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? I have. Too weird to live, too rare to die. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a big influence too. Like you know, so. Uh, but have, having been on both sides of that spectrum, having been someone that is involved in the media industry, right. uh, involved in the live production industry, involved okay. in the studio industry, yeah, and knowing what technically sells uh, as a profession. Yeah, but also choosing to not do what sells <laughs> as a passion, right? Uh, which in in turn turned into a profession. Like you're you're kind of butting heads with with the same person at the, at this point. Yeah, because professionally, I mean, I do it for others because I know how to do it easily. But when when it comes but to you my choose, art, no, you I don't, choose, I don't choose to not do it. It's not choose not to do it. It's just the way I think or the art I create or I'm trying to create is that it comes out of my head, and it's I don't think of actually I don't think of it that way. I just create the art and I put it out. You know, if I liked it, I'm sure there's one or two other people who might like it, and if they don't, well, that's fine. I'll just keep creating, and I'm, I'm very diverse with the, the art. You know, I like to be very. Um, dynamic and different kinds of music all the time and stuff like that but why do we stick to one genre why why do we have to do that because people tell me to do that oh another thing is i love being rebellious as well and you the know the very first massive shout out to uh to our producer our um our our second hand second hand person on this uh, on this podcast her very first 
clip of this uh, of the show was me saying, "I'm not defined by genre." Nice. <laughs> Massive shout out to Four Dip Fuzz. No, I said that on oh, yeah, yeah. on 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 one of the streams, and four derpy paws uh, clipped it, and it it turned into a thing. But um, we're definitely not de defined by genre. We're not defined by a thing. But I just find it you do the commercially acceptable, commercially palatable things for other for other artists. You, I remember when we were talking about Svengali, you would tell me, "Listen, this will work. This won't work. This this might not." vibe this chorus is cool it's a little wordy right. you know uh what what would be commercially yeah for, acceptable yeah for other artists and i can create that I, I get i get you but but you choose to say fuck this shit. maybe, maybe, maybe you're what... right maybe you're right maybe it is a big finger up the ass you know and uh yeah i think i think you know what it is? Maybe I'm just trying to push a, a, a boundary for people to always keep an open mind. You know, as Frank Zappa said, you know, the mind is like a parachute. It don't work if it's not open. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you know, he, another quote, sorry, I have to say this other one. Like, you know, you get a lot of people like, yeah, I love music. I love music. You know, it's music is my life. And then they come back to him, as long as you give me that beat, which I recognize, you know, boom, boom, pop, boom, 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 then I love music. But if it's not there, I'm not too sure about it. Yeah. Well, that's the problem right there, man. It's like, no, man, keep an open mind, you know. Um, tribe, tribe, can we, every single one of you, type Slayer in the chat right now? Because it's, it's an inside joke. It, it's turned into a, a real thing. But okay. if it's not fucking... Don't give me that shit. Wait, wait for the wheeze. There it is. <laughs> if it's not fucking Slayer, I don't want it. <laughs> nice. But um, but yeah, we 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 talk about all kinds of like alternative uh, music on on the stream and stuff, and I'm very curious. You know, for, for the successful guys, like I've talked to fucking Peter Tagrin from, from Hypocrisy, you know, nice. um, we, we've talked to the guys from Camelot, we've talked to the guys from Paradise Lost. Sweet. Why? Why do you give a shit? Why is fucking Valtrin from Paradise Lost trying to build a scene in his, in his hometown? Like, you, you don't need to. But there's this like built-in thing. There's a screw loose in, in some creatives where it's like high tide raises all ships. Yep. If you win, then I win, then we all fucking win. Yeah. And then this region wins. Yeah. And there's this there's this mentality that a lot of people don't see the reason we're doing things. Like the reason I do the stream, the, the stream started because of the scene. Yep. Unmuted, the music started because of the scene. Uh, Svengali started because of the scene. All the stuff. Right. And it's like, I'm fighting for all of us, not just my stuff. Of course. And I feel like you don't realize that you instilled that in... Uh, in myself and a lot of people from the scene as well. Well, so, I mean, you just did that. You just said it. You created a community. So, and... And that's what it's all about, man. 
you know, but did I install it? I don't know. I just did my own thing and uh, I guess uh, it created a spark with some other people. So why let's not? talk. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about where where you started. Let's talk about Bullfunk Zoo, the title, right? Because I don't want to say the band, because nah, that's my stage name. Yeah, it, it's 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 kind of an entity on its own. It has Bullfunk Studio. It has yeah. Bullfunk Jams. It has Bullfunk Records. Uh, yeah. Zoo, the performer. It has a million other things under it. Um, let's talk about Bullfunk. The, the, as the as empire an I'm trying to build, yeah, <laughs> the empire. So uh, it's funny you how mentioned. Did that start. It's funny when you mentioned the whole thing during Nat Geo's. Like when I started going on grounds with this, you know, I worked, uh, I worked in the events industry as well, produce shows and festivals and whatever that happens here. But the Bullfunk thing, I wanted something. Now it started out as Bullfunk Zoo, just as a band. At that time, and we we're doing a lot of shows before that first record I put out as Bullfunk Zoo uh, when I met you. And we were gigging all the time. We opened for big names, this and this and this and that. And then I realized, you know, it's not just about performing live, which is my favorite love, my first love, of course. But it's about the music, the community, um, the events. You know, you culminate all this experience. So I said, I decided, you know, to officially make it like under the Bullfunk umbrella. So Bullfunk Zoo is the main thing. And then um, Bullfunk Studios, obviously, is the, is the is the place or the recording spot. Um, then Bullfunk Jams, if, if you know, there's an event where I, I stopped it now, which I, it's an improvised, completely live improvised event, uh, which I did for over a year, maybe over 40 shows. I had musicians from all over the world come and jam on this. Um, and audiences loved it. So that that was a community buildup actually funny enough for for musos and audience and people who like improvised music or who want something real and true uh created on the spot and also the studios it's about me being a producer as bullfunk zoo a composer and a musician so kind of like the bullfunk empire and this is what i'm grafting away at this moment to be able to build this and grow it and um make it happen somehow so uh, coming back to the name, you're probably going to ask me how the name come up because everybody asked me that question. <clears throat> I was just about to say, uh, Jagro said, is there a Bullfunk MC? <laughs> like, a Bullfunk what? MC. Is, is it? <laughs> MC. But hey, Josh, come and be the Bullfunk MC, man. <laughs> is there, is there, how, how wide is Bullfunk um, Empire spreading? But uh, before we get to that, <laughs> Bull, yeah. Funk, and Zoo. Right. Are three words that uh, y y they're not instinctively put together. How the fuck did you come up with that shit? Oh, that's crazy, man. Bull. Well, well, bull came up first uh, because I wanted I wanted something with a funk in there because my music a lot of it's based on kind of like funk grooves with everything else. Uh, but bull is about what you're talking about. Actually, it's about perseverance, passion um drive and hard work kind of like what a bull does you know when you see a big bad bull right and funk that's kind of the music the zoo part came in after the name and i was always intrigued by george orwell's book uh, animal farm and that's where oh, it actually shit. comes from yeah zoo but sometimes on a humorous level i just say we're just a bunch of animals running around on stage being silly right but actually, Zoo was inspired by um, George Orwell's book, Animal Farm. I think, I don't know if you know that book or not. 
was really I do I do absolutely he's, but he's done I 1984 as well so. the combination of Bullfunk Zoo not not necessarily just meaning wise uh for me as someone that grew up in the the UAE rock and metal scene it you don't forget that for me personally I don't sure. know uh tribe you you can let us know if it's uh if it's something that that even triggered in your head as weird or not uh, let me know in the chat but i just kind of grew up like oh bofeng su yeah it, that that's a thing that we know you know what i mean like it's yeah. just both it's such a strange fucking combination of words that it became its own thing yeah 100 percent strange it, w- 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 was there was there was there a media or a production background thought going into this name because you know it's not it's not pregnant nuns we're not talking about priests and we're not talking about sheikhs we're not talking about any of that stuff where bullfunk zoo kind of is is weird in its own realm but is non-offensive is there is was there thought going into naming this stuff or did it just you know flip of a coin it's weird but it doesn't offend anyone well i didn't really care if it offended anybody i mean fuck's sake pregnant nuns that that offends people and god's pager as well <laughs> no i mean thought yeah there was i mean it just kind of sparked in my head you know sometimes like as you said you'd be walking around and you'd think of a thought or some some thought pops in your idea and those words just popped in my mind I'm like oh that's cool i'm gonna use that you know so it started off like that then the thought came into uh the zoo and then i have to describe what i'm talking about in my music again so i wanted to touch base on the zoo thing 1984 because a lot of what i talk about my music is um sociopolitics you know human rights but in a funny way right and uh, say it the way it is and uh obviously bull funk is before it and that's what it kind of came to but yeah those ideas just popped in and I, i wanted it to be also meaningful and at the same time um offensive or rebellious or i don't know what it's not offensive but and in its own connotation does that make sense absolutely does and i love i absolutely love baby pistol thank you also for uh, for bringing out marching mustafa but baby pistol says this is her interpretation of it yeah i used to get bullied in school for listening to metal Right. Now all of those girls look like actual cattle. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, true, right? <laughs> maybe. I mean, if there was an any other interpretation of that, it it wouldn't it would, bullying in in school listening to, for listening to metal, and then those girls actually look like cattle. Cyberfake Cafe, what's going on? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yo um yeah it's it's fucking crazy man i love i love the way art is uh created i i i like you i know you said you love the live show itself yeah i love the prep yeah i i love the the writing process i love trying to figure out I, and I know you do too, but I, obviously, just look at that fucking studio behind him, you guys. <laughs> there's no denying it, but there's, there's, 
something in seeing a book being written uh, as exciting as reading the final product for me. And that's why I subscribe to so many fucking creators. I, I follow so many fucking people on Instagram. I'm a patron of a million people. I um I really try to embody the creative process. 100%. That's that journey again, right? It's about that journey. How can we support the local scene and uh in in saying that also you in the journey like what is what is missing in uh in in our local rock and metal scene right now what's missing hmm um i think you know it's I don't want to. I, I don't. I don't want to answer I, that cliche. Before, before, yeah, yeah. Before, yeah. before you say anything, I want to point out to especially the people that aren't tuning in live. There's a lot of people that tune into this as a as a VOD and as a uh, audio only on Spotify and stuff. I realize this is a, a heavy-handed question. This is this is like fix our issues kind of question, um, but. In your perspective, given the experience that you have, mm -hmm. is there one particular thing that you've seen that might, it, like, if, we, if is there is there one issue that if we solve it, it things might be a little better for 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 I local mean, musicians? Look, it's not an easy question to answer, but I got something for you here. Now, the, the thing is, what we're missing here is the musical ecosystem that's something that's missing it's not the i mean the people are there but and it's the mindset of the people here in the uae the thing is you have to understand that the mindset here is dog eat dog world divide and, and conquer for each individual rather than come together and embrace each other and learn from each other and big each other up right yeah i mean they do that as well um but to be able to do that we're a handful is also to put in the work and again I've said that before, is all these individuals who are very serious about the music, who really want to do it, not for the fame and fortune. That's the wrong attitude, I believe. Do it for the love of the music you're creating. And you keep practicing, you keep working at it, you keep uh, uh, creating at it, you keep putting stuff out. That's the way to go. You just keep, you just got to keep doing that. If you just want the fame and fortune and the big stage and the big clap in the hand, that's just a short end of, uh, end of the stick. And, you know, you just got to keep doing it, man. Now, with the ecosystem, what I mean for here, especially for uh, for the Middle East, is like, example, publishing and royalties and the copyright stuff. Why do I say that? Because like yourself, with Bengali, with Unmuted, with all of this stuff, you should be earning royalties from anything that's being aired in the Middle East, which we don't get. Now, the reason why I said that I've put out, I've been on TV many times and uh, music's been on here and there. Never collected one penny royalty. When yeah. you don't, when that doesn't happen, the society or the way the system works is not pushing you to create more. So what happens to people is they get demotivated. And when they get demotivated, they don't produce as much. Then they go to the easy route. Oh, I just want to be famous, blah, blah, blah. And instead of putting all the work into it. So it's a psychological thing. 
So this is one thing, and this is something actually I'm kind of a little bit working on, but it's a bit pulling teeth because, um, you know, copyrights, publishing, and all of this stuff is it comes down to the governing laws of uh, creative arts. Um, another thing is, which I'm trying to push here actually with uh, other points, is to export the music because there are some great, great talents here. I'm, I'm saying obviously the, the negative and the positive side. Uh, like yourself, Sven Gali, or let's say Unmuted Show, there's, there's many great acts that are pushing out here. And they are pushing, and I see them, you know, pushing hard and, and working hard and keep doing it, which is great. It would be nice to have a little support system that is a backing that can fund uh, these artists, uh, like myself as well, yourself and everybody else, export them out by, by, uh, by like, you know, funding their tours. You know, Dubai loves marketing example, right? And I had yeah. a long chat with some some officials here about this. I'm like, if you really want to push the culture and art scene here, you need to fund these people. They need to have a project. Let, let's say yourself, you got an album you want to put out. That stuff costs money. And the marketing costs money. The, the music videos cost money. All of this stuff. So how do you do it? You need a bit of funding. You, you present them your business plan with a back record, of course. And you tell them, I need this funding. And I need tour funding. You go out on tour, you export these bands, you know, with a, you, can, you can get gigs anywhere in the world if you want, in all the festivals. You don't have to be invited. You can always get there and do it. But it's the traveling, the costs and all that, putting together a band that takes a lot of money. But if they fund that, let's say you do a big metal show somewhere and, you know, Dubai loves marketing and you're wearing your T-shirt and you have a Dubai logo right here, right? Yeah. People around the world, because people around the world don't give a shit what's happening in the Middle East in the music world, because they have their own scene and they have a lot of amazing bands there. So why would they look here? Correct? So, but if you go out and you do all these festivals, example, and play, and yeah, we're a band from Dubai funded by the UAE, example, government, then the people around the world, oh shit, there's a music scene in Dubai? Does that make sense? Yeah. And yeah. if they do that, they fund this. This is how you bring the culture and art here. And this is how you start building kind of an ecosystem for them. Because this place is going really fast. We need to stop yeah. importing and start exporting. You get what I mean? You're but, talking, you're speaking our language right now. But the mindset first has to come from the artists here. Yeah. You know, we all have our better end. That's normal. But you need to see the big picture and stop whining about small stupid things oh they're not supporting me really right shut the fuck up man go work on your music first you know go work on you your art go practice first you know if you're gonna talk the talk walk the motherfucking walk i had i had um a very interesting uh exchange about about a month ago about a month ago i had a very exchange a very interesting exchange with a local artist uh, that I'm trying to really <laughs> censor myself um, was asking why I was not giving that certain artist the same airtime on the stream mm -hmm. that I was giving other artists. Okay. And I said, listen, man, um, when it comes to uh, you know supporting the scene. When it comes to promoting the fact that you released anything, when it comes to uh, adding you to our Spotify playlist, all that stuff, I'm 100% down. You're from the region. I got you. Right. But they had a preconceived notion right. 
and I, th they're a lot younger than you and I are. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Wait, let me, let, me, let me lift my baggage. <laughs> they're, they're a lot younger than you and I are. Um, <clears throat> they had a preconceived notion that just being from here means that they get the unlimited and unfiltered support. That's the Dubai attitude. I was saying the spoiled Dubai brat. That's why I brought it up. That's yeah. why I brought it up. There's this thing that they, they they just assumed that I would exude all this energy. And I I spoke about. Yeah. You know, I, I support the things that I, I love. You know, I, I feel sorry for these guys, Adnan, as well. If you if you think about it for a second, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but um, they don't know any better because they grew up that way with that mindset, you know? And um, one day they'll they'll figure it out somehow. Um, I, don't, I mean, these are this is that that that's the attitude I got when I first arrived here. I was telling you to try to put the community together or the musicians, blah blah blah. You know, they want something for nothing, and that's the problem. If you always all your life getting something for nothing or not working hard for it, how do you expect that person's mind to be? Uh, how do you expect that guy or that person to be, to think? You know, if yeah. all their lives they've been thinking that way and they think it's easy come, Woo! easy go. You get what I mean? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, but, whoever activated the woo in that moment, thank oh, you. Was that you? I thought it was you saying that. <laughs> no, <sorry>. I'm <laughs> trying to read what's going on on there, but the, 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 the laptop's far the, and I can't on, see on, anything. On your end, wait, let me show you. Let me show you where it is. Uh, where's the woo? Where's the woo? Can someone exclamation point woo in the chat? It must have been a VIP, but uh, it has to be. There you go. Three O's, you motherfuckers. Three O's. Oh, it's Joshy. Josh. Woo! There it is. <laughs> oh, there it is. It was Josh talking about it, but. Um, not to cut you off, but uh, first of all, Sandy Sin, what's going on? Welcome, welcome, what up, welcome. Sandy? Sa Sandrosa, as I like to call her, uh, from Aiming Graves uh, is Daddy in his chill. house. chill. Sorry, Mariam. We will chill. Uh, <laughs> thank you for being here. And thank you for those. By the way, uh, all of the sound alerts are free because we have an insane fucking goal to reach. All the sound alerts are free. I might not have, I shouldn't have told you that. Um, but Josh says, man, Asad, I don't know if I ever told you this. The first gig I ever did with Bofeng Zoo in Bahrain in 2004 or 2014 or so uh, was one of the most humbling shit I ever went through. It completely changed the trajectory of where I was going as a musician. So thank you for kicking my ass, brother man. Dude, yeah, Josh. Josh came such a long way. I remember. I remember that gig. I remember that gig. But Josh, honestly, that's what it's all about, bro. You fucking nailed it, man. You put the so, work and effort into it, and look where you're at now, man. Let's 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 take a second to talk about uh, that that experience. Josh, who you guys know as the drummer of Zvengali, the the clean vocalist of Zvengali. Um, sessioned or had a session with Bofang Zoo 
It was an international show, which in our world is going a half an hour flight to Bahrain. <laughs> and um, and you guys had to kind of figure shit out on the spot. Yeah, I mean, that show I had, I had a set drum and bass player, but it came last minute. And my rhythm section at that time got booked for a New Year's gig. It was a New Year's gig event uh, over there. And they got booked last minute, so they couldn't get out of it. And I was like, shit, what am I going to do? And it was a big gig. You know, it was a nice gig over there. Um, so, yeah, I called up Josh and there was another bass player. Um, he didn't cut it. <laughs> but Josh was there. I'm like, guys, you need to learn the song. You know, at that time, Bufang Zoo, we were gigging sometimes two gigs a day, one city to another, uh, doing big stuff here and there. We, we were really busy. Um so we needed people who just did a lot of their homework really well and came to rehearsals. Rehearsals for me is not about learning the song. You need to do the song and learn the song. If you if you get hired for, you know, like me, I, I'm, a, I'm a session player as well. If I get hired for a gig and they give me the repertoire, I learn the shit out of the repertoire, write it all down, uh, all of this stuff. So when I come to rehearsal, I'm fully prepared. And I don't only learn my parts. I learn the bass parts, the keys parts, the drum parts. It doesn't have to be physically, but where everything's arranged. Uh, so when I get there, yeah. I want to be professional. And when as soon as they start rehearsal, hey, I'm on it, right? Rehearsals should be, okay, let's maybe tweak the arrangement for live or uh, do something, you know, maybe here and there, like some some sonics. But it shouldn't be a place for learning the songs or so. Because I understand from the artist's perspective, let's say Svengali has got a rehearsal. You go rent a rehearsal space, which costs, you know, this much money for the next three hours and you hire a, a, a session gun you know a, a bass player a drummer you know who, who's new your bass player or drummer or guitar player whatever uh, cannot show up right and so and you're paying money for this so you guys all know your stuff and this guy comes in and wastes two hours trying to learn a song that's just not professional that's not a person who takes music seriously does that make sense so that will not good look good on you and you have no choice but to take this guy on right it absolutely makes sense and i i will even one up you with that where we're not hiring anyone specific we uh we have added josh is in the chat uh, sandy's in the chat everybody's in the chat yeah. um we have had uh, show opportunities in the uae in dubai yeah. where uh you know organizers have hit us up and said we we want to have you guys on and we said our pay to play performance fee right. is wait what is a thousand dirhams in dollars in dollars it's like 260 maybe we we will play fly two people in book our own hotel rooms book our own accommodation uh pay for our own uh you know jam fees all that stuff for a thousand dirhams wow and we got rejected <laughs> wow and you asked us you asked us so, so what this was now okay i'm gonna bring up names but this i mean this was a you, while ago this was before fuck it, the, man fuck it it was meant to be <laughs> screw him you know these opportunities come and go like yeah, I mean, I've been through that shit so many times, dude. I just don't give a shit anymore. This is just why I keep telling you. I really don't give a shit anymore. Like, I do the shows I want to do now. Before, I used to, like, you know, my... Uh, I used to count on gigging all the time. 
And then I realized it's like, uh, nah, I want to do the shows I want to do, create the shows and do something else on the side to keep my sanity and be happy because else I'm just going to be a bitter motherfucker and I don't want to be that, you know? I just want to put yeah. out my own shit. But with Josh coming in, sorry, I was, I was going to go back. You know, that time, I think, um, you know, Josh came in. I mean, he did, he did a decent job that night uh, overall. Uh, but then after that, man, that dude just went, and then we did it. We did another few big shows later on down the years for my which album? Uh, yeah, I think it was uh, yeah, Dangerous Radio album. I remember yeah, I, I, I edited the video of you guys playing live. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, that's on YouTube. Um, do do you want to find that? Well, yeah, you can play the song Whiskey, but I sound like shit vocally. But you know, I don't give a fuck. Play, you'll see Josh there fucking with his big hair and go for it man if you want to uh is it beats on the beach yeah. 2016 yeah that's the one that's the one that's the one all right yeah. let's uh, I'll, I'll set that up while you uh while you finish this but uh josh also says the problem with the uae is that dubai is full of expats and the uae will probably only support the scene when it's just uh, emirati i disagree with that because yeah. we already have people that have um debunked that yeah. Uh, bands all over the world do this just their embassies uh, and their ambassadors mm -hmm. uh, for their particular countries slash music scenes and they're they're usually from that place I mean I get what you're saying but there's an added layer of complexity with that place I agree with you there is an added complexity with it mm -hmm. I disagree with the idea that it's harder I, I think Sorry, sorry, but I, I really need you. I need to send you an XLR, brother. I got, I got um, a whole cupboard laid in them. There's, uh, oh yeah, with the golden visa thing now. Exactly. Uh, I think the tide is changing. I have a golden visa. Don't, don't talk about. It. Um, it, there's, there's a new level of complexity uh, that is added here because it's a unsupported entity not because you're local versus not yeah that's absolutely right but plus adnan what you're saying now because they've introduced this you know like you know touch wood we both got the golden visas for being artists here which is a good thing right and what they're trying to do which is a, a first stepping stone don't forget this this country is very new to that uh it's gonna take a bit of time but it's growing slowly to where it's at like, look at what Expo brought, all these incredible artists and musicians who came. A lot of them came down to the jams, by the way. And I got to know, so that was that network. And it brought, uh, you know, look at Noon, example, who's in tour in the U.S. now coming back. Uh, there's just a bunch of stuff happening. It's just all staggered at this moment. It just needs someone to come and, like, organize it together and just put it together and make that entity, which is happening really slow. But it's going to take a bit of time. One thing I didn't mention, by the way, for the music scene here is don't forget that we lack numbers here. This is a transient city. That mm -hmm. means, uh, you know, when you go to the metal shows, you'll see a lot of familiar faces and, you know, it expands and contracts and all of this stuff. But don't forget, this is that, that these are the metal people here. It's not like there's other people who are into it. The, the, our numbers here as expats or who are into culture is very small. It's a small percentage. So we cannot expect all these people to come in. And also people keep leaving and new people keep coming. 
And when people keep leaving, who've already learned the scene, left, they left. New people come, they need to relearn the scene. That is yeah. one big issue that we have here. We'll, we'll talk about this. Rebuild up. You know what I mean. We'll talk about the uh, the recyclable. Is that a word? Is yeah, that yeah, a fucking yeah. word? That makes sense. Recyclable. Yeah. Uh, the aspect. Machine. Aspect of um, the UAE creative scene. Let's not call it the metal scene. Let's not call it the rock scene. Let's call it the 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 art scene. Right. Uh, there there's a there's a cyclical nature. To uh, to the people you work with when it comes to oh, film, yeah. photography, art, oh, yeah. music, production, yeah. uh, you're one of the few that I've I've mentioned on the podcast. Um, the revolving door. Thank you very much, Derpy. Um, yeah. There you go. The revolving door that is the the art scene in in the Middle East, specifically yeah. in the UAE, uh, because everyone gravitates to the UAE for. The art scene, the music scene, the 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 well, the, they come for the business first. The business scene, yeah. absolutely, but um, no one ever talks about the people that fucking stuck around. <laughs> you know That's I mean? why we're still here because I think it's a calling. Sometimes I ask myself, why the hell am I still here? <laughs> but you feel maybe I'm meant to be here as a person or as a musician. Maybe it's a calling, like say, look, I've been here for years, you know, and I've contemplated many times on leaving and I'm still contemplating on that. But maybe it's meant to be for me to be here, like maybe yourself as well, Adnan and me, to cultivate this, you know, and and kind of make it happen rather than leave it alone and leave it for the next muso to do the same thing what we're doing right now. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. That might that might be it. That might actually just be a case of where we might not even be doing it for us. Yeah, I mean, we're just we're just barely paving the way for the next generation. I mean, you're not doing it. For, I mean, I look at this show. I think it's a beautiful show what you're doing here. Like, I'm 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 humbled to be a guest on your show at this time, and I see it. You're not doing it for you. You're doing it for no. the community, and this, that's this exactly the right attitude. That, yeah. that's another attitude adjustment that everybody do it for the community first you know and it, then it, come it, in with it by your with, with you you know unmuted and everything that we've built uh with Zvengali and the unmuted show unmuted music all that stuff is a hundred and seven percent i know some of you would fucking hate then is a hundred percent a a community based uh, entity the go. idea of building something yeah. together more than a lone uh, ranger fighting for uh, something they believe in and um we've been able to do some fucking i i've never i would have you were there when i started unmuted dude you've come you've come along is that your cat yes it's fucking it's not Azad though, it's sushi. Uh, Zappa's like chilling. <laughs> I don't know where he's at. He's up to something though. <laughs> but yeah. Um I would have never imagined this being something that we can do songs that we could afford to write and record and mix and master and yeah. the, the, the guests we would have had on. I feel like that's what kind of lacks in the local scene here. Like I would never wear and I've made it a point for the last 10 years of my life. Mm -hmm. An international band. Okay. I don't wear Lamagod. Metallica don't need any more fucking advertising. 
Yeah. Uh, I, Guns and Roses, everybody knows them. You don't need to wear that fucking t-shirt. Mm. Bullfunk Zoo, Wesin from Kuwait, uh, the Metaverse from Dubai. If you want to rock a, a, a lamp of good t-shirt, yes, thank you, Sandy Sin. A lamp of good, which is a story that I told Mark Hunter yeah. on the podcast. Mark Hunter from Chimera. Nice. That motherfucker, when Randy Bly was sick with COVID, sessioned for Lamb of God. Nice. Wearing the Lamp of Good unmuted t-shirt. Awesome. That's sick, man. It's the... It, like, that shit blows my mind. You see, that's, there you go. There you that's go, That's community. But there you go. Because you persevered, like, you have to give it time. You know, people want things overnight. And that's another issue. But you kept yeah. going at it. And look at that. What did he wear? You get what he I'm saying? He wore that motherfucker. Look at, these, look at the guys you're interviewing as well. You know, these amazing, amazing artists. You got there for a reason because you worked hard and that community helped build it. You helped build that community. So you are a big asset and pinnacle to the Dubai music scene. You get what I'm saying? So what you're doing is, is exactly what you need to be doing. We'll dive deeper into this right after this, you guys. We're gonna take a pee break. We're gonna watch a Bullfunk Zoo live beats on the beach at 2016 with the one and only Joshi Buns, as you know, Josh Saldana from uh, from Sevengali, as our only bassist likes to say it. So um, yeah, uh, we'll be back in uh, in five minutes. Do your thing, Chicken Wing. I fucking love you guys. Uh, any last words, Asad Not at all, man. I just need to pee as well. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Hit it. New album, Dangerous Radio, for all of you. We love all of you guys' energies. Rock and roll. I wrote a song about my cat. He's 15 years old. He's the cutest thing in the world. And he's mean sometimes. You guys ready? Hit it!
So that. What is up, my lovely people of Abu Dhabi? Yeah. That is a crazy. That's yeah. a crazy fucking song. That's Thanks, a crazy man. fucking song at a crazy fucking show. That was that was about my old cat who passed on named Whiskey. That's about your cat who's named Whiskey. Yeah. Who passed on that was at a show where people weren't necessarily expecting <laughs> that kind of music. Not at all. That got punched in the face with that kind of music. Damn right. And everybody fucking reacted positively to it. Yep. That's what cats do, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Ass and friction, baby. <laughs> Ass and friction, <laughs> motherfuckers. Um, this was such a fun show. The crowd was uh, just sounded like they're a jet engine from Josh. Oh, yeah, it was cool. Um, and there's a couple of more comments here. Uh, Huzz says, this, is this guy related to Frank Zappa? I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Wakey Bakey with the headbang, Sandy Sen with the cat emotes. Um, I, I love that the song is about his cat. Yes, fuck yeah. The, the um, funny part is the irony. It, it is about my cat, but if you read the un underlying words, it's about fascist dictatorship. By the way. <laughs> oh shit! There that's, you go. <laughs> yeah, that's the zoo part. <laughs> but um, the. I don't want to say the the comfort, but there's there's gotta be some sort of um I don't know what the word is. I don't know you know, I like sometimes you come out swaying. You know what I mean? Like there you know what? Fuck it. I'm at the wrong show. I'm I'm just gonna do what I whatever it is I got, and hope that maybe one person fucking figures it out. Yep. But when you're at a show where sixty thousand people are there, thirty thousand, thirty thousand people are there. Yeah. I mean, once you're over the twenty thousand, there's like it's a blurred line. Yeah, it was like twenty or thirty. Yeah, but I mean, I mean over over twenty thousand people are there that are. Well, and the only reason I bring it up is because when I was when I was Josh, there, I'm like, holy shit, man! There's so many fucking people here. But anyway, and uh, it, and and when he said that rush of voice, the reason I said that is like, dude, you feel that power from just people's natural voice on there. But how cool. how? Because that is a physical version of a middle finger. Yeah, to me, <laughs> might not like it, like right? Because I don't give a fuck, man. There, 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 there's the middle finger of recording your own music, yeah, that people might not like, and still releasing it, and then those few that might like it will support it, yeah. But you guys had a uh, uh, an opportunity and put in a position where you flipped thirty thousand people off. <laughs> Audibly, visually, physically. Yeah, right. And guess who we're opening up for that night? Which has nothing to do you? with that. Travis Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know who he was that time. Like because you know, dude, I, I, I just I just watched a documentary about Juice World. Do you know who Juice World is? No. I, uh, we flew to Spain and and back over the last ten days. Okay. There's so many fucking people that I don't know. About. Travis Scott was in that documentary, but yeah. Um, rest in oh, fuck my XLR. Rest in peace, Juice World, for uh, 
for everybody that actually knows who Juice World is. He was around from 2018 to 2020. Um, it's it's crazy, crazy fucking like the, this new generation is insane to me. I'm 43, so uh, it doesn't <laughs> doesn't make any sense to me. But um, going to a show like that, that was Abu Dhabi. Beats on the beach. Yeah. Opening up for Travis Scott, XYZ, whatever the fuck it was. I mean, we weren't officially open. It was just he was part of the bill, but, you know, he was whatever it was. So you get what there, I mean. There were 30,000 people in the crowd yeah, right? that were not expecting electric guitars and no. drums. No. You know, honestly, if only like for one you to person go, liked it. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> A song about. Cat. Your cat. As, as an overtone, undertone, a whole lot about politics. Yeah. Well, you got to show the art was to there, everybody. Was, was, was there a little nervousness? Was, was, were you like, fuck it? How was that? There was the nervousness, and I was like, you know what? Fuck this. And I just went up. I don't give a fuck, man. Like, it's music. It's art. It doesn't matter. Like you said, a genre list. Music should not be categorized into any fucking genre. You know, nowadays, man, like you go listen to rock. There's a hundred subgenres like this and this and this and that, or metal, this and this and this, these different kinds. Of, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? It's music. Who cares what subgenre it is? Is it just easier for you to categorize? Well, when you categorize, you close your mind. But when you keep listening to all kinds of music or all kinds of subgenres, let's call it that way, that's how you learn and you uh, open up the mind again. You know, See, uh, this is so why I I reference you when i when i talk about mentors and when i talk about people I'm that inspire me this is why i reference you because, out, because you know a, lo a lot of people and this has happened on the show a lot of people that have been here for a while know this chat fuck all of you i hate <laughs> each and every single one of you uh except for jagro because he's pma P positive mental altitude all the way um there's a lot of issues when it comes to Yo, is this post-grunge, hardcore, melodic death metal? Who cares? Does it or is good? it post-grunge, alternative melodic death? And I, we started a joke yeah. on the show that it's like, does it really fucking matter? Does it really matter? <laughs> and it doesn't. Is it? Is it? Is this metal? Is it rock? Is it alternative in any aspect? I'm fucking down with it. <laughs> like it I mean, just, honestly, this whole categorizing thing, I think, came up because for radio stations to know where to place their songs and what shows to do it on. And, you know, we've had we've had a guest on uh, the podcast recently that's from a, a small up and coming band yeah. uh, that that needed to categorize their shit for Spotify. For baby, oh, uh, C CD baby, for a fucking uh, distro kid, for all that shit. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And they had three options. Yeah. What are your three options to categorize the art that you make? There's Zappa. There is Zappa. <laughs> Funny they wake. Hi, Zappa. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> all right. He's been pulling on the cord since we're talking. Yeah, go on. Sorry. <laughs> But how do you categorize that shit? It's the same as how do you categorize... Uh, I see Zombie Soup twerking in the chat. A content creator. 
Yeah. How do, I, like, how do you, in three, in three words or less, categorize our friend Zombisu creating content? Is he a gamer? Eh, I mean, he games. Is he a, a musician? Eh, I mean, he makes music. Uh, is, is he a DJ? Yeah, he plays your music. Is he a streamer? He does stream. It, like, there's so much more to to content creation and music and oh, musicians. And when you categorize art, you're actually creating more prejudice, I think. Yes. You know, like why? It should, it's art. It's about creativity. Be free about it. Fucking. If the song sounds good, who gives a shit what genre it is? Or maybe the genre is an ego thing. I think it's an ego to feel, to feel that you belong to some sort of uh, a community just because, you know, you might not even like the music, but I like this because the community there is cool, so I'm going to like this. But that's another thing. is like people these days are using their, in music, using their eyes more than their ears. I got a segue for you, motherfucker. Oh, shit. Here we go. You opened up the floodgates right now. Bring it. You have been one of the few people that have never identified as Middle Eastern rock, Middle Eastern metal, Middle Eastern XYZ. Cool. You've always, and I've noticed, I have fucking noticed. Sorry. I need to listen. <laughs> If this not, is not an ad for buy me a new XLR, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Dude, I'm sending you one. That's it. Done. <laughs> you have been one of the very few people that have actively, in my perspective, steered clear of that branding. You've yeah. just been either Bofeng Zhu or Asad Laiz, XYZ. Yeah. Or, or uh, you know what? A random guitarist featured on a song. You've never honed or or um, phoned in is 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 the term I'm looking for. Middle Eastern X Y Z, as someone that has effectively um, used Middle Eastern based metal band, Dubai based metal band. Uh, UAE based musician. Why have you steered clear from that? If uh, if there is a reason, and what are your thoughts on using that terminology terminology for uh, for promoting your art? I didn't. I don't know if I steered away from that uh, uh, on purpose. I just want to be a part of all of it really maybe that's why because i don't want to be pigeonholed into one thing i'd rather be into everything i mean every record i mean i have seven albums out man each album is different than the other the last two one was like metal heavy rock and the one before was like funky metal kind of thing the one prior to that is like more motown funk rock and then the three records before that was like experimental fusion jazz shit. so uh as i said it's like i don't want to stick to one thing i want to do different things all the time the world i mean life's too short why experiment with just or work with one kind of thing when you can have have it all or do it all and yeah art again so i didn't really steer away i suppose i just want to belong to 
I don't want to say belong. I don't want to say that because I don't belong to anything. And I don't think anybody thinks I belong anywhere. But um, yeah, just be, let me say not belong, but be a part of all these scenes. Because I love all of them. I don't know. Is, <laughs> see, not, not necessarily uh, promoting yourself as a Middle Eastern as an artist, musician. I just say I just say as a musician artist. Because uh, because that's that's the thing. The ambiguity is that the fucking word chat. You're gonna shit on me if I say it wrong. But the ambiguity of it. Yeah. There's there's an aura to Asad and to Bofangzu that is just like and it stinks. <laughs> the aura. <laughs> Fucking reeks, you guys. I've seen Acid friction, brother. <laughs> Acid friction. Be locked in a glass-bound room with this motherfucker. No, um. Yeah, I don't want to feel like I, I, I want to be locked I, in a glass room because I guard my exactly. with my teeth. You know what I mean? Exactly. But is that on purpose? Is there is there no, a fight or not. flight approach? No, uh, to like, really. I, I'm not Dubai based. I'm not Middle Eastern based. I'm not fucking. Anywhere Lebanese based. based, I'm not Saudi, I'm not uh, Jordanian, like, or is there just, that doesn't even register, fuck it, I'm an artist, I'm gonna do what I do. Exactly, that's it. I don't really care where it's from, whatever it is, as long as the art, the art, in the end, you know, will speak to people who will like it, and, you know, and might be introduced to people who might open their minds somehow, or might hate it, I don't give a shit. It's my art, I don't want to create it. You know, maybe some people someday some people will understand it. Maybe some people understand it. Some people won't understand it. But that's art. You know, you can't like yeah. everything, and people will not. You can't expect everybody to like everything and stuff like that's fine. I like it when people don't like myself. It's like, yeah, I hate that shit. I fucking, I love it. That inspires me even more to do something different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and it, it it doesn't come from a place where it's like I'm necessarily fighting. It's just that's not what I identify as. Yeah, genreless. Zombie soup in the chat saying, "Hell yeah, no pigeonholes." Yeah, exactly. There it is, man. No fucking pigeonholes. I want to talk a little bit about <clears throat> turning that coin around, turning the page, turning the script, and being on the opposite side of things as a record producer as a audio engineer as someone that helps people write their music yeah um we look at the wall behind you and um Is for those who don't here? know <laughs> yeah bullfunk Bu Bu zoo has bullfunk studios uh which is one of the very i might even go as far as say the only uh analog driven uh, studios in in the UAE. It's, it's not the only one. No, it's not the only. It's one. not the only, yeah, but yeah. it's one of the very, very fucking yeah. few. Very yeah. fucking few. Yeah. Um, I even have a tape machine. I don't know if you can see it. I'm gonna point it down there. But I just wait, wait, wait. <laughs> there it is. Uh, <laughs> I'll put a light. Yeah, but I mean that one. I just print like kicks and the bass and stuff. I won't print mixes on it because it it breaks down on me all the time and. Anyway, Analog Gear, bro, they're amazing sounding. I love working with them, all the saturation. But each piece is like a human being. You need to maintain them. 
and uh, I have to do that all the time. But when you get a great sound out of him, they sound sexy. So what what inspired you? Having gone through the entire Assad kind of You mean the city of history? Yeah, we've... I we've, started in we, the US. We, started we, we, we've gone from the US. Yeah. We've met everybody in, in the UAE and we're like, listen, I want to build a scene. What inspired you to go, you know what else I would like to do? Yeah. <laughs> start Not only just start a studio, which I can do, not only work in production, which I can do, yeah. but I want to start a specific kind of studio uh, that uh, that caters to people that appreciate the analog and the more fine quality of Sonics. Hey, there you go. What, what the? F- well, why? actually, this started. Why this started in the nineties for me in in the US? Uh, I don't know. There I started. Obviously, I told you the story when I was a kid. Tape, whatever it is. But in 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 the nineties, I, I I recorded. Uh, three, sorry, four records. Not my band, with other bands, and we were always in the studio. And and my friend worked for, in Paisley Park, who I did an album with called God's Pager. Paisley Park is Prince's uh, label, and he had a studio there. And I was so intrigued by these places, the tape machines, you know, the big consoles and all that. And I fell in love with that. Where I bought my first four-track uh, tape, not tape as in reel-to-reel, but a cassette machine. And I learned how to record a lot on that. And I loved it because I put all my ideas down. When I arrived in Dubai, by the way, making that scene in parallel, I built a recording studio in 2000 over here. And that was when I first bought my first Pro Tools system, Digi001. And I was still using a console that time. It was a 24-track, uh, a Mackie console at that, at that moment, a couple of compressors and whatnot. Because uh, that time the digital world wasn't up to par, but it was a great way rather than having a tape machine and all of this stuff. And it, it, it didn't sound that great. But I did an album on that one. I did, I did a few albums for Abstract Collision at that time. A few albums? Yeah, not one for me. There was a couple of kids. Actually, uh, uh, there was a metal uh, band I recorded and did their thing. I, I forgot what they're called. And there's other people who came in and at that time. And then I had to shut that place down because... At that time, it was really costly, and I, I was in under big debt. So I had that studio for three years, and uh, I had a spot in Alcoz. And actually, funny enough, a friend of my dad's at that time, he has all these porta cabins, and I needed a space. So he gave me two porta cabins together. I created a drum room, vocal booth, blah, 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 blah. blah. So, yeah, I've been doing that for a while. And after that, I went bankrupt. I should say, you no, know, I, I was in big debt. So I had to sell, and I sold everything for nothing, man. I was so heartbroken and since then i've always had a home setup but at the same time i was working in nbc television and there i was working on a student console and a calric i was doing all the live stuff uh, for them there obviously they had you know outboard compressors like the la2a 1176 1178 i remember they had that too uh they had an uh they had an alta compressor anyway i'm I'm not gonna geek out on this stuff so i always worked with this stuff over there and i was about to say you're like wait 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 and uh, and uh, compress, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, well, they had I the like, consoles. Like they compress, had, we, had, yeah. we had proper consoles in NBC until the day decided, uh, and they're great, you know, proper patch bag, and they sounded fantastic. Obviously, it was all live broadcast, but I produced a lot of music for jingles for them there and, and whatnot. And then I moved on the other side of the coin, there being a studio director, producer, whatever it is. But then they start switching the consoles, not all the studios, to the digital stuff. So, and I realized. You know, I, I was so used to the analog sound from the U.S. 
And then when I had the Digi Level one, I remember that was good. But when I went back to it, I, I, when you were saying analog, uh, the in, everything that's going in into this recording is all done proper analog. And wherever go, when it's going back out, it's done also analog in, in, in MBC example, mm -hmm. uh, right? Now, fully analog, that means it goes in, it goes in and gets recorded on a tape machine and then goes out analog again. Uh, with digital audio, you're going in in a digital, you're going in analog, but actually the digital transformation is um, is done digitally, obviously, uh, right? We, without like proper analog preamps, uh, there's all like um, simulated stuff, which they sound great. Don't get me wrong. Uh, my studio and w with the tape. Now I I worked on tape uh, in the U.S. because that was the only thing. So I worked a lot on cassettes, and I knew like. If I had four tracks, I would record like, let's say, drums on all four tracks. Then I would sum all of those and put them on one track to have an extra three free tracks, you know. So it was a mission to record. And on a reel to reel, when we were in the studio, I remember every time if we had to do another take, uh, you know, you have to wait, you have to cue the whole reel again. Uh, the engineer had to stop it. So I'd watch that. Now it's like a split button. Done. Oh, yeah. You want to do it again, which is awesome, by the way. But that... Uh, that uh, quality when it started out like late 90s with the Pro Tools 01 wasn't very good sounding. You get what I mean? Yeah. So sorry, I'm just giving you a little brief history there. And then and I can imagine because because dude, I've I've watched those documentaries where people are like Limb Biscuit, that's the Pro Tools world. Yeah. That's the new world. That's are you on the grid? That's the new shit. Right. Yeah. And I haven't experienced it myself, but like, I can only imagine going from, cause, cause now I'm experiencing it from, uh, you know, in terms of social media, fucking, I, we used to do this stream on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, now people are like, what's your TikTok? I don't, what, what the fuck are you talking about? So I can only imagine in terms of an actual technical perspective yeah. of you going from no, how do you add saturation to this? How do you add, you know, that color to a sound? Yeah. Versus, did you download the new Waves plugin? Like, is that, is that? Well, I get what you said, but I work hybrid anyway. But the thing is, why I say analog? And because for me, I, I'm a believer in when you're recording something, make it record it really well. Obviously, first is performance. Uh, performance has to be the key. Now you want to capture that performance. You would capture the Sonics, a beautiful way of Sonics with a nice mic, good preamp, maybe a compressor on the way in. And now with today's digital world, and then you know print it digitally on there. And then when you, when I mix or when I master, everything's coming out uh, via analog, but with a with a hybrid status. So a mixture of plugs, you know, time-based effects which I use as, as, uh, as digital, but everything that's saturated or everything on master buses, which needs color and vibe and stuff like that. This is where all this stuff comes in, but everything goes in with, you know, analog preamps and compresses where it sounds great, you know, because the thing is for me, um, I got used to that sound, especially in NBC, you know, working, they had a, they had a studio, big studio console. They had a Calric, uh, uh, console downstairs in, in, in NBC one, NBC, um, uh, three, we had the studio. Anyway, all of that. So there was that beautiful, just warm, beautiful sound. And then I always noticed that. So um, 
you know, over the years, I've always had a home setup. It was a digital setup, start getting better, better, but I, I missed the old stuff. So slowly I start collecting uh, pieces. Every piece I have is, is well thought of for what I need to use for my workflow. I can geek out. I think I'm geeking out too much for the crowd. I'm sorry, crowd. <laughs> you probably, I'm probably talking Chinese to you guys, but no, I mean, I love this stuff because quality for me is, is the biggest. I mean, deal. listen, listen, you if, know? if there's any indication that you like to geek out, yeah. just lean, lean to one side <laughs> and just show that wall of fucking racks All behind right, you right there. Just, well, let me move the chair. <laughs> let me move the chair. I'll swing by stuff around. So. Look at that shit. Look at that shit. I mean, a lot of it's off now, but yeah, I mean, but, the, but that is, that is not someone that, uh, is, uh, is producing off a laptop right there. No, and, and acoustics is very important in room. So I also ended up studying acoustics engineering with John Brand for a while, and he helped me, um, build this room. So this room is made for mixing and mastering. And I record drums now I've done, I've uh, recorded all these drum samples from these well-known drummers, which I'm going to be releasing soon. And I have a new record coming out. I've been producing these singles for these artists. And um, so I've been busy in the studio and I got shows coming up. So I'm happy uh, that way. But uh, I mean, you've been here, right? I, I have. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You've been here. I've seen the pre post and right. uh, when it's the, nice the during. Yeah, yeah, right. And I built it like a lot of these cabinets. I, I learned a bit of carpentry to build it myself. So uh, a lot of the stuff, the panels with the help of uh, carpenters, I built together, you know, and um, so you feel it, you know, for me. And uh, we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're stepping outside of the studio experience for a little bit for uh, sure, a sure. question from Derpy here. What is the most mem memorable stage experience for you? Me? Yeah. What is the fuck? I guess there's so many, man, but I think. What? Fuck everything else. Yeah. yeah. Stage right now. What's the first idea that pops in your head? What's the first idea that pops in my head? When you play your parts right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. When any have, any specific occasion, I'm trying to jump think because there's I've I have a few to be honest. I have a few. I'm just trying let's to, talk about the maybe few. maybe. Uh, you know what? It could be uh, that show we just watched. There's some good moments there. You know, there's a vibe that the band was well rehearsed. Uh, we were all you know gelling together really well. Whether the crowd liked it or not, we had that energy from the crowd, that big noise. So uh, it was a it was a very good show. It was a, it was a one hour show, I, th I believe. Yeah, one hour show we played. So that could be one of them. If that answers is, uh, like guys, it's 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 hard, man. Honestly, I've uh, I've done so many different kinds of shows. You know, the the big stages, the clubs, the small, intimate, and they all have a different moment. But they all have a great moment, I suppose. I don't know. I know that's a vague answer, guys, but I'm sorry. That's that's uh, it. I'm I'm trying. I was I was doing the technical while you were saying that. All right. By by oh, playing the show you're talking about. Right. <laughs> the pip. Yeah. There you go. There's there's the the there's picture. There's the picture. ass and friction, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's one of them. I would assume. That that was uh, that was one of the shows. Um, 
you know what let me tell you the best moments of have because i hire a lot of session players when you get along with the guys and you have fucking great chemistry that's the greatest show with the band i actually have a question based on that yeah go on i actually have a question based on that as someone that has always thrived on the idea of a collective right who then very very suddenly started working as a solo person yeah. uh uh in terms of in terms of uh creating whether it was the podcast the streams the music and then finding kind of a a, a team within that a uh, massive shout out to four derp paws massive shout out to Bailuni, massive shout out to everybody that that supports me doing what i do um you've kind of found the comfort in being like you know what bullfunk zoo is my thing you 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 mentioned uh hiring musicians all that stuff yeah how hard is it to be the the pro and the con uh -huh. of, of your own world how hard yeah. is it to uh to have the freedom but also all of the downfalls of your own creativity yeah man i mean to be fair looking back all the bands i put together i always had session players not real you know maybe i always had different session players because i was trying to find the band that i can stick with for a long time with the same mindset and same drive but that never happened so indirectly it was always kind of like me doing that thing because i mean i was always writing all the music anyway and putting it all together managing it and blah 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 and once sometimes you know some of the band members or the, at that moment for that particular band or that particular album or particular gig those band members you know they were hired guns or they were friends and they do the show but there wasn't that commitment and i realized commitment is a huge thing in music you really have to be committed and you cannot expect everybody to be committed they got their their jobs their families or whatever else they do that they cannot commit fully to the art form that you are creating so i didn't want to you know burden these guys with that responsibility does that make sense so really it does so now i mean i love love working and and writing with other musicians and other bands or other members if they have the time and the honesty that they want to do that rather than okay let's do something together for fun but if it doesn't go to fruition and i don't like doing a project where it doesn't come to fruition just for fun you know mm -hmm. i'm not at that point that was when i was young but now it's like all serious game like when i have an idea i gotta you know or, or, or create an idea with some other um, artist we have to make it come to fruition and that commitment level needs to be there if the commitment level is not there then for me it's a waste of time you know if i'm saying with with another person so that's why i do it by myself and when i go out if i do any shows or whatever it is i have all the music written i write all the music send them all the parts go learn this learn that of course i i know who are the artists who I, or the musicians who want to hire and let's go do these shows and today's world I mean, you know, man, you know about this, right? And I don't like to deal with drama and politics. When it comes time to music, there shouldn't be any drama or politics. There should be just pure creativity, pure drive, passion, and love, and no babysitting. That's one thing I hated, is to go there 
and babysit for something that you love. Like, you know, when you're excited to do something and you love what you do, why do you have to be babysat to come and do it? You should be there before time. If someone, if you love what you do and you say, okay, you got an appointment at two o'clock, this guy booked a rehearsal room, it's costing this much, you know, he's going to uh, chomp up some ideas or rehearse. And I fucking love music, blah, blah, blah. I would be there at fucking one o'clock. That's me. Whether I like, want to be there or not, no, because first of all, my professionalism, I, I believe very much in work ethic and professionalism, and passion and love for what we do. And it's a blessing that we're still doing what we're doing. You get what I mean? And I yeah. get musicians like, oh, I'm late. My uh, phone, uh, I took a shit here and uh, my phone fell or something, whatever it is. Or... <laughs> Man, I don't have time. I have a mission. I got to do it. And, um, you know, I always said it. Look, I'm a fucking bullet train going. If you want to ride this train, you better ride uh, as fast as I do. If you're not, I'm if not. I'm not interested. I'll be great friends with you, but I don't have to work every, with you. Everybody click in the chat right now. You, 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 you know why I love that? We're clicking because it's a, it's a, it's a tradition you guys have. Where, where did they click? No, I, I just made that up. Uh, billiards? I don't know. I don't know why I'm clicking. But you know, <laughs> um, Freight Train by Svengali is literally based okay. on that. Nice. You see? I'm a fucking freight train. Whether you're on the train or not, I will speed past you. Yeah. If you want to join us on this journey, Welcome aboard. If you want to watch from the sidelines, we will fucking fly by. 100%. 100%. But that's not only for what you do, you know, like in general, everything really. You know, there's nothing wrong with people who want to be on the sidelines, but listen, you want to be a part of this, you got to be on board all the way, or you're just a hired gun. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think, I think the, the primary um, issue that we have specifically in the middle east is the idea of i want to be a part of it but i only want the responsibility of a sideline then stay a sideline then be transparent <laughs> be a sideline <laughs> that's exactly it i mean that's just logic right there right so yeah there, there's a lot of people i know no disrespect to any of you, but I have met people that have said they are no longer music. They, they've identified as ex-music people that I have aspired to be like. Um, people that I have put in the tier where I would put you, Asad. That have come to me and identified themselves as ex-musicians or... Music failed musicians, which fucking that's the one that like really like y y you know when it jitters in your fucking brain. There's like th there's a crack and it just fucking. You mean you're talking about ass and friction? <laughs> it just it just ass and frictioned my brain. Um, I. People that I look up to, people that I love, people that are my friends, that have I, I approached recently and had conversations with that said they are either ex-musicians or failed musicians, which is something that I... What is a failed musician? I don't get that. So they did not meet the criteria that they set for themselves within the time period that they set for no, themselves. No, no, sorry. 
The guys who tell you that shit, these are the guys who are trying to get fame and fortune right away. Not about the music. These guys are not about the music. If, mm-hmm. if uh, you know a person who's into the arts and, and music, whether they're in it professionally, they'll always be an artist or musician till the day they die. It's just embedded in their blood. It's very simple. You know, that's you the know, way I look at it. The be- the beauty of what you just said is um massive shout out to uh to our producer for the pause but we had a conversation with um very very shortly after that happened with randy bly from none other than lamb of god aka lamp of good as we say on this podcast (laughs) um about that about the idea of an ex musician right and the oxymoron of the term ex-musician the very definition of musician cannot have an x before it it's true it's so true (laughs) it's just like it's it's exactly like you said it's there's no version of myself that has stopped yeah you can't it's in your blood once i mean you you are like that uh i'm not when, when it's in what's whenever it's in your blood it's in your blood you know whether you stop doing it for a while even playing at home or whatever it is and you keep going it's in your blood so i think i think uh what we need to talk about is your approach to not only having it in your blood but you providing a platform with bullfunk jams with bullfunk studio with bullfunk zoo um i met josh because of you uh i met a lot of the people that are now uh inner circle with with zvengali with unmuted with with the whole thing um because of the the platforms that you've provided not only are we internalizing um you know i would do this as a musician but you what you have this high tide rises all raises all ships approach which i do i have it tattooed on me you don't have to be blood to be family high tide raises all ships uh you know the scene is greater than one why why are you spending so much money on those fucking wait wait let me mute the background music why why are you spending so much money on that equipment like why why do you care who gives a shit asad who gives it why do you want to elevate the scene well you're talking about equipment to create your own art you need tools like you know a guitar player needs a guitar to execute let's say um an idea or something so these are really it's just my toolbox that sounds cliche but it is truly my toolbox i said why do i do it in the scene because that is i need i need to give back man you know whatever experience i have whatever i can show whatever uh, i know i'm still also learning every day something new uh musically production wise you'll never stop learning it's like whatever I have knowledge now is like my duty to also give back. So the Bullfunk Jams is to give back. And the whole point of the improvised music is I'm trying to show the community, you know, it's not about me, the singer, look at me. No, it's about the whole 
perspective of of uh, creating art on the spot because when you're writing a song you're actually improvising a melody in your head and then it comes to fruition right that's the whole point of the bullfunk jams is to create and develop musicians to be stronger and better because i want to see that all the artistry in this country gets to a level where it's fucking top-notch level and improvise music because i used to get my head cut all the time in the u.s playing with these jazz musicians where i learned it's another story but that showed me a lot of shit to be able to create <laughs> to have that and it's not about cutting heads at jams it's about community actually and embracing what you can create on the spot that's what the whole purpose of music i see a lot of open mic nights they're all playing the same fucking covers and saying like dude what the fuck is this shit it's not a goddamn gig be creative anybody can play a goddamn cover in a, in a, in a different style but to have an improvised jam where you know on the spot and it was difficult man because i had to come up with ideas every split second you know sometimes you run out and sometimes you try to feed off other people if they don't have any ideas that creates community and it creates a bond imagine you know let me put it this way i know i'm going a bit deeper on this you're going to war with your fucking brothers and sisters you know out in the field somewhere you don't even know each other but you meet these people and you know you're out there you're probably gonna sink or swim. You remember sink or swim, your song? Oh, oh shit. shit! Look at that fucking thing out there. You know what I'm there. talking about, right? But this moment, so you develop this camaraderie and this brotherhood or, or sisterhood or whateverhood together to look out for each other, to you know take care of each other and so forth. Improvised music is like that because when you're on the bandstand. And one guy, you know, when, once you're in it, you're deep in the water. You got to be a part of it to lift up the whole perspective, the whole community, the whole song. It's all about the song you're creating. It's not about the individual or the ego. Leave that shit outside, you know. And a lot of guys came and got so much better as musicians because they come and, you know, I'd get them on a song, try this, you know, because you have to cater to everybody. It's not just for each individual. And with time, look. I hope you go back home and practice and come back. And I saw a few musicians come back weeks on weeks on after, and they were just getting better, 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 and better. And that's exactly what I was trying to push with it. Besides the camaraderie and the community of the audience as well, by the way, not just the musicians um, to that. God damn it. Where did I go with this one? All right. There it is. Does it, does it even fucking matter? Does it even Why? fucking Why matter? Why wouldn't it matter? Of course it matters. No, what I'm saying, does it even fucking matter? The, the, the train of thought that you just spewed, does it even matter where it started? Because there's, there's a tangible lesson. Yeah. To everything you just said, and we have a lot more people that listen to the podcast on Spotify than, than uh, that tune in on Twitch. I appreciate and love each and every single one of you that, that tune in on Twitch. But um, the people that like to listen to a, a podcast on uh, on Spotify after the fact uh, are higher numbers. And I believe there's a lot more fucking musicians that listen to this and will be ready to just stretch. The, just have that middle finger muscle. Um, ready ready to pop or, or at least if not if not the ultimate to actually hit you up um on on instagram Please do. Uh, 
or or on on any of your social media bullfunk zoo everywhere you guys uh for for some more advice uh asad laiz is one of the people that i hit up whenever i i have a question uh, and like you know when it comes to unmuted when same it comes here to man it, i ask you a lot i mean how much i mean the best editing and production work i've ever seen till this day is from you dude and i was like Thank always you, man. Like, you know always you're my boy man Thank you. And I, I, um, I echo that kind of uh, openness that, that you've always given me. Like we were saying, when Svengali was first starting, you've heard, you've, you've heard demos before we even got to Hadi's studio. Mm. Like demos that I recorded. <laughs> you know what I mean? You wore the first Svengali t-shirt that was a demo print. Um, you heard it before $2,000, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> he still has it. He still has it. But um, I, I've echoed that uh, kind of approach where if anyone has any questions about anything to do with media, uh, streaming, production, uh, I am all open. And I think if you guys hit Asad Da'is up, uh, Bofunk Zoo on all social platforms. Uh, where is it? Oh, boom. There you go. Yeah. Um, at Bofunk Zoo on, on Instagram is the most uh, kind of used platform. Yeah. Um, go exclamation support guest in the chat. It'll give you a link. Uh, hit follow and uh, $2,000. All right. Message me. <laughs> Fuck you, Derpy. Uh, also, $2,000. We're trying to reach it. But if I send for $2,000, that money goes to you, brother, onto this channel. <laughs> thank you thank you thank you um but yeah i mean it's it's as network and community driven as uh, as i can as i can ever explain i mean it's it's very difficult to explain um the influence that you've had and i know it's easier to say this once we're on a podcast there's people in the chat and i'm using the the high voice and i'm 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 telling you things but uh in all honesty uh i don't i don't think you realize the influence that you've had uh on my ass and friction ass and friction <laughs> my but the friction of my ass has been highly influenced Thanks, by, man. You're too uh, kind, by your, man. By your funky zoo. <laughs> You're too kind. I mean, I just... It's for me, it's just energy, man. Whatever. If, if I was an influence, great. If I wasn't, that's fine. Just to hang and and do your thing is, is all good, you know? I, I, I understand that. And I think that's why it's important to, to point it out. Um, I wouldn't have had the same uh, film jobs that, uh, that I would have had if uh, by chance... Someone said, hey, Asad, check this editor out, uh, which was but in 2014. That, but, bro, that's whether it was me or someone else, it's because your creative mind and the way you do your work is amazing. It has nothing to do with me. It just happened by chance that you were there. Let's get into it. You know what I mean? Your work speaks for itself, and that's the important part. Not your spelling you. I, I genuinely appreciate that. Yeah. I, I, I have the opposing uh side of uh of the spectrum we all do we're, we're um, never happy with our work but you know i'm saying from, yeah from me to you you know there, there are moments there where we had uh we had a <laughs> <laughs> let's not talk about the uh the man who we did that work for 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, ma- <laughs> ma- massive shout She still listens to the podcast. Massive shout out to. <laughs> Hi, dude. Ma- I don't think a- so. SA, what's going on? Uh, we're specifically talking about you, but um, he still listens to the podcast. I've, I've seen him recently. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um. Yeah, man. It's It's been a fucking pleasure. We definitely need a part two. We, we need a in person hangout. We need uh, we need some more um, streams from your studio. We need to uh, introduce everybody to what an audio. Um, uh, uh, I I don't want to say analog. It's not necessarily analog, but you have you have a um, a specific kind of love when it comes to acid friction. Uh, <laughs> acid friction. <laughs> it's a Ass friction, you guys. It's it's just it's a word. It's one word. Ass friction. Call, it, call this episode the acid friction episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's acid friction. Um, but as I said, we the way we end every podcast is wait. I'm gonna get the the sexy music out for this one. All right. It's not very sexy. It's kind of depressing, actually, but. Let's hear it. Ass and fiction all the way. Ass and fiction here to stay. Ass and fiction. Boats and hoes. Ass and fiction. Boats and hoes. <laughs> I don't have the sound music, but we'll, we'll keep it with this one. But <laughs> <laughs> if you, oh, you know what? I'll zoom in. I'll zoom in. <clears throat> Asad. Yo. If you had a time machine, And you were able to go back in time to uh, to little to little Assad, young Assad, pre guitar, pre piano, just about to fall in love with music. And you had one sentence you were allowed to pass on to your younger self. You had a time machine. You're back there. I want to tell young me something. What would that sentence be? Focus. Focus. That's it. One word. Focus. What does that stem from? Well, that time I was not focused. When I was a young kid like that, should have focused a lot more. I wasn't directed properly like... uh, I wasn't mentored properly, let's say. I think I would have, uh, yeah. Focus. And yeah, focus. That's it. Would I learned that is, later on, but, you know. This is a question uh, one of our longtime patrons asked me. Would one young you even fucking listen to old you at that point? Probably... N- don't know. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah, I mean, Im- imagine fourteen-year-old right? Assad right. meets an old motherfucker who claims he's from a time machine. Right. With four fourteen-year-old Assad sitting there, some dude goes, "Hey, man, <laughs> focus." Right. Reminds me of Back to I, the Future. I'm, fr- <laughs> I'm from your future. 
You're gonna start a band called Bullfunk Zoo, and I need you to focus. You know, it's funny. What? I thought about that once. <laughs> it was like I was watching Back to the Future. Obviously, we all know what that is. And I came back. I'm like, would I've listened to? I mean, I was having too much fun because I was chasing tail all the time and doing a lot of uh, uh, substances that are not supposed to be spoken. Extracurricular, Extracurricular activities. activities. Yeah. And doing music. So. I, I don't know. I might have listened because I was on a on a mission to learn. I was on like on a big learning mission as well. Not 14, 16. 14, yeah. Maybe not, maybe. I don't know. Fuck it. Who cares? Let's go back See, and ask I, this guy. Every every single time I've answered that question. Yeah. I would have probably kicked my older self in the balls. Yeah. Stole whatever he had and ran away. I was, I was like, now that I have kids, I'm like, I was a scumbag. I was, I was a degenerate. Like I grew up in a way where that is where people get arrested. <laughs> well, that's all right. But that's part of you growing it's, up. Man. It's, it's what made me. Exactly. But now that I have a child and I'm like, oh, don't say caca like you know what I mean? like, I'm starting to, <laughs> how I'm like, is Adam doing dude he's he's fucking he's, he's like you are a caca like I'm like hey man listen motherfucker <laughs> like, no. good boy <laughs> you know what I mean I'm, I'm like sh should I where's the threshold right like because I I did shit when I was 10 12 13 that he is transitioning into right where 14, 15, 16 was my leap off of where I grew up from. And it just makes me think of like, when when did I fall? Like he's in love with drums. Nice. Get him a Whether kid. I like it or not, he loves drums. You got a little kit for him? I got, I, I, I have the electric kit. Pots and I got pans, the little bro. kit. Pots and pans. That's how we grew up. Pots and yeah, pans. Yeah, I, I, I got all of that stuff. He does not give a fuck about any of the stuff I bought. He cares about making the music that he wants to make. <laughs> Fucking great on. He doesn't give a shit. He doesn't give a shit that this is what a snare is supposed to sound like. He wants to make his own snare sound. Do it. And that he's not even fucking three. Well, that's fucking. And I just started right thinking about like, I, I and I'm doing therapy. I'm doing a lot of uh, the tribe knows. I'm I'm going through a lot of mental health stuff, but thinking about like the resentment and all the anger and all the stuff with all the stuff that I grew up with and being a creative in a non-creative world and being a, a an alternative Arab in a non-alternative Arab accepting world this motherfucker doesn't want to hit a snare <laughs> that I provided him that sounds like a snare you know what I mean it's like generational kind of um uh, uh, transposition is that the word when you transpose something uh, in, in, into into the next generation? Yeah. Um, speaking of snares, floppy nuts, what's going on? <laughs> floppy, <nuts. laughs> floppy nuts gaming in the house. What's going it. on, brother? 
Can I use that as a title of a song? Hey, this Floppy Nuts. Bullfunk Zoo with their new song, Floppy Nuts. It's a new album, Floppy Nuts. <laughs> Love it. That's sick. Oh man. But yeah, that that's kind of that's kind of where my head goes whenever we talk about that that last floppy question. Nuts. Yep. <laughs> whenever we talk about floppy nuts. Um if you had a time machine, go back in time. My kind of current state goes to would I have even listened? But also would I have passed that on? So I know uh, uh, not so safe, uh, safe from Metarust is no longer live in the chat right now. But I know that they listen uh, to to the podcast after. So if Asad Laiz of Bofunk Bo Zoo had the opportunity to give an Emirati band, and I'm not saying Emirati based in, in the Emirates, Emirati local band, two brothers and uh, and uh, a couple of their friends. I'm not talking shit about the basses. He always gives me shit. He always gives me shit for saying Emirati band, and he's the only one that's not Emirati. But um if you had an opportunity to give them one piece of advice, we, we talked about Asad giving young Asad advice. Asad giving a a underaged I'm saying under uh under 21 year old metal band from the uae a piece of advice as generic as it may seem as broad as it may seem you don't know anything about metaverse right now all right what would that be well i mean i don't know i just you know what keep an open mind practice hard when they say practice makes perfect, no, it's perfect practice. The way you practice is what makes perfect. Oof. Keep writing a lot of music. Um, there's a lot of distractions in this world. When you're working on music, sorry, this is a bit open, especially with a phone and social media, that's distracting you away from what you need to achieve. Switch all that shit off and just meditate into the music you're doing as in get lost in it and you'll have the best time of your life and the results will come as long as you're doing the right thing and do it for the love of it not do for it the fame for of the it. motherfucking love of it not for the fame that's of it. yeah that's the fuck it bro Thank no, you man. so much for being Thank here. Thank you so much for having me here, man. This was a lot of Genuinely appreciate fun. it. Uh, everybody, exclamation point guests in the chat. You will get a link to Asad's, a.k.a. Bullfunk Zoo, uh, their, their Instagram. Is it a channel page? I don't fuck. Instagram. Instagram. At Bullfunk Zoo. Um, he's got a whole lot more coming up. There's also Bullfunk Studios. There's Bullfunk Jazz. Uh, Bullfunk, if you're... Bullfunk Zoo is fine. I'm, I'm more active there. The other ones. <laughs> do do do. Visually if you head to, to Bullfunk Zoo, you'll find all uh, all of the stuff. Um, dude, it's it's been an absolute fucking pleasure having Same you. Same here, man. Thank you so you much. You were literally time. one of first three people I I might have even mentioned. Uh, to talk about, I I do a live stream. 
Um, but as life happens, uh, I, I, you were the third person I hit up to, to talk about the podcast, and three years later, I actually got you on the podcast. Well, it's, it's better late it's, than never, man. It's, it's the way things go, right? 100%, man. I'm so happy and proud that what you built and done here is brilliant, man. It's brilliant. Thank well you, done. man. Well Thank done. you. I, I genuinely appreciate that. And uh, we're going to head over. Let's see who we're going to read. Uh, who's who from the tribe is live? Let's check this out because we already have a raid phrase. You guys. I has a bucket is live. <clears throat> so uh, I said, what's our raid phrase again? Just just for the phrase. Our phrase is uh, friction. <clears throat> Ass and friction. Ass and friction. Ass and friction. I'm not till later. Floppy nuts. We're gonna we're gonna all yell ass and friction over at uh, I has a bucket. Um, and if you don't follow I has a bucket, go go uh, follow. Uh, he's a great guitarist, great musician. Uh, that is a big part of the tribe. And um, if you are sticking around for a little while, we're going to be hanging out on Discord. So if you're uh, if you got a couple of minutes, uh, head over to uh, to Discord exclamation point Discord to get the link. We're going to be hanging out in general chat over on Discord uh, exclamation point guest to check out everything that is Assad. And um, if you're listening to this on Spotify and have not checked out the live streams, uh, check out the comments over on Spotify. There is a ton of uh, of of things. Discords, uh, Twitch, uh, Instagram. Uh, th there's a whole bunch. Asad, tell tell the Spotify people. Asad, there are people listening to this that have not seen the live stream. What do you think they should do? Go watch the live stream. There you go. He's got an SM7B. I, I know that fucking work. Ass and friction. <laughs> Ass and friction. The podcast Hello. is not officially over until the man of the hour decides it is. So oh. for for me, I say thank you guys for being here. Thank uh, you. I'll see you guys on Tuesday and Wednesday. I'll see you guys on Thursday. I'm going to leave the mic with Assad, uh, yep. Assad, you get to say whatever the fuck you want, and whenever you're ready right. to, to call it quits, I'm you just ready. have to say you just have to say the words. Hit the outro. So whenever you're ready, hit what? You just have oh, to say that. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you, Adnan. I love you all, and I hope to see you soon and mingle some music. Hit the outro, baby.